The D and Davis Show. D and Davis Show. It is great to be back. We definitely have some baseball and some basketball to get into with the NBA draft taking place and also the award ceremony last night. We got kudos to give to D on Giannis winning the MVP. Uh, we got a lot to get into from both sides of town later in the show to help us with the baseball side of it. We're going to have Evan Altman, probably going to be more uh, National League from Cubs Insider, to break down what's happening with the Cubs and a little bit what's going on with the NL. And we're going to earlier on switch into a little bit of hoops. We're going to discuss hoops in this open, but then we're going to talk to our man about some hoops. And that's Tony Gill, executive producer of the Lawrence Home Show, every weekday from noon to 2 p.m. Also check out No Zones, which he's dropping today, which is hot and also behind the headlines, which she does with Julie DeCaro. Very nice lady at 670. Yes, she is. I'm Kenneth Davis, and the voice you just heard, his name is... D. Demond Spurl. Hey, what's up, everybody? Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at D. and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D. and Davis Show. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app, and YouTube as well. Just simply search for the D. and Davis Show. Share, rate, comment, all that good stuff, all right? I'm on Twitter at Demons1, D-E-M-O-N-Z-E-1. Ken is on Twitter at That's Davis. It's the producer of D. and Davis Show and D. and Davis The Flip. Can't suppose to say The Flip, but it's okay. Flippity. Ryan Bukovetsky. Make sure you follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan B. Ski. Also, we're on Facebook.com, Facebook.com forward slash D. and Davis Show. Look, so uh, Giannis is the MVP of the NBA. We knew that yesterday when we found out that Harden was in China. <laughs> I didn't even put the two, two together like well, that. Well, in the back in the days, the MVP knew, I think, three days to a week. Yeah, they knew a while. They before. knew before. Three yeah. days. They had to be quiet. Yeah. They knew three days to a week. So I would still think, of course, the same would probably happen now. So mm-hmm. he can line up his family being there and everything like that. That's another problem with the NBA awards. That what? you What's wrong? You, I mean, the only people that are there are really the people that are winning. And if you're a teammate of one of those people, you know, so it, it takes away from it'd be different if like the whole NBA got together, you know, like LeBron not showing up if he not getting no award. You know what I'm saying? Like it just and this is a time in the year where most players go either take vacations or start overseas in China to get that side bread that they're usually getting. But from we're giving them that. Uh, I owe you props. You said that it was going to be Giannis. I think it's BS to a still a certain uh, degree. You owe me props and money. Uh, yeah, I do owe you money, don't I? Mm-hmm. I said a few apples. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. I owe you money. I forgot that. You finally won a bet. I've won some more bets than that. No, not you've won. No, you've won. I've won other bets. I don't think I bet money all the time because no, I don't do you, that. Yeah, I'm talking about when we bet money. Oh, yeah, yeah, This yeah, is yeah. your first well, bet money my. win. Oh. Yes, it is. Now you you sure you nah. ain't you ain't turn to Sydney like hey Sydney get uh, the money twenty dollars. That's usually because <laughs> no, that was because I owe you twenty dollars. No, no, that was from <laughs> you owing me twenty that I told you to give to Sydney. Uh, okay. That's what that was. Okay. It wasn't no. Oh, no, 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 no. So it wasn't that. It was you owe me money. And I said give my money to Sydney. Yeah, well, yeah. You've won when we've had any type of lottos or like when we do. Uh, mm, yes, yes. But yes. you haven't had one bread from a bet. Who's on the twenty dollar bill? Hmm. Who's on the $20 bill? Andrew Jackson. Is it Jackson? All right, you know me at Jackson. Why was you, who did you think was on there? I couldn't remember. He didn't want to remember a horrible racist, Ken. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all of them. All of them. <laughs> but I think he was up there with the worst. <laughs> I begin at horrible racist. You, you can split hairs over the rest. What Dave Chappelle say is uh, racist base cards, baseball cards. That's all it is. Yeah. Uh, but look, so you you had Giannis winning MVP. You had yeah. Rudy Gobert winning his second Defensive Player of the Year consecutively. Sound about right. You had yeah. You you had a uh, young Luka Doncic 
winning rookie of the year and he should have won it but ended up at least Trey Young put some heat on him yeah I was gonna say how did y'all feel about that you think he should have been like a cold it wasn't a cold no it shouldn't have been a cold no not, not even a not even he a cold he was killing all year he was he was Luca that's was, the Luke most was doing points since Blake Griffin when he came and that wasn't even Blake Griffin's real rookie that was his second year because he was hurt Initially, so we're talking about Blake Griffin had conditioning, pro conditioning, and pro coaching before his rookie season when he scored over 21 points, which Doncic did this year. So no, Luca Luca deserves Luca deserved that. One. Yeah, he got it. But yeah. I mean, but I still I love the, what, what Trey Young is, uh, was doing. I, I like what that tra- that draft last year has produced. It'll be good to see what Obama if and when he can do anything. Mm. I think Shaq was terrible. I love Shaq. Well, you really watch this. I think Shaq. I think the you NBA really watch this because the problem is it, it, they they went with the uh, players only spectrum and it was bad. He's up there dancing. It, it, was just, it was just bad. It wasn't well done. And I think actually the thing is, and I, I think anybody that does that job, you need reps. I there there are players I think that can do a much better job, but they don't have the name of Shaq. Um, like I think if you put someone like Richard Jefferson out there, it would have been witty, funny. Like there are players that can do that, but with Shaq, you need good writers too. Yeah, but you also need people that don't can execute. Just, just don't think when because they because they are who they are that they're really funny. Like mm. I love Shaquille O'Neal, but one thing I realized when I got older, he found himself funnier than what he actually is to a certain degree. Mm. And him being big, it allows the funniness to be like, oh yeah, look at this big jovial guy. But really, when it comes to insightful, ha ha he he he, that's not who you go to for that type of situation. So that to me was one of the things where it's just like this. It just keeps hitting you why y'all need to go back to the old thing. But it's like if you're gonna do this, you need to do it right. Yeah, I mean, you have to find that talent. From within your players or ex-players. And maybe you can be current players too. I mean, that'd be some kind of way to maybe get everybody out there. It's kind of like, oh, okay, LeBron James isn't going because he's hosted ESPYs before, right? Did you see the John Wall meme thing? No. Somebody oh, when posted you... on Twitter like he looked like somebody that was like uh, hooked on like uh, painkillers or something oh, like no. that. Maybe his blood is Achilles. Was his Achilles or his knee? He heard this. Achilles. Achilles. Listen, he, he's still trying to get right. He was out there. John Wall. <laughs> <laughs> when he was talking with somebody, who was he with? He was with the uh, the brother that was in uh, the movie with Holly Berry. He was dating not Mark Ely. Not no, nah, that not, not, not Mark Ely. Uh, is it Mark Ely? I don't know. I had to look I, it. Had to it look wasn't it Jesse Williams. No, it wasn't Jesse Williams. Yeah, but uh, it was a light skinned brother. The brother was doing well, but John Wall was out there like, man, I can't wait to get this next bump when I get up off. <laughs> don't you do that to <laughs> I'm him. Joking. I'm don't joking. Don't you do that. <laughs> it was like, don't alleged. Don't do that. It was like, dude, what the hell is going on? <laughs> you just got to find bet, you gotta bet, find good talent. I bet Bradley Bill was ashamed. Like, Bradley Bill had a meme of him he rubbing like, his eyes. This mug out here high. <laughs> Take you nowhere, man. As soon as we leave DC, you gotta get your answer something. When they go trade me. <laughs> Please. Damn it. Come on. Uh, um, no, but you got to ha- you have to have rights host to do that. I mean, that's even if you wanna go to I know a lot of people always say, like, hey, let the TNT um crew just do it. Ernie and Kenny and uh Charles Barkley. Kenny yeah. would be good. Even if he's yeah. not the person you want in that as far as cause he's used to hosting. Yeah. You know, he, he is used to hosting. All, right. all star stuff. Yeah. He always hope he got his own thing he always he did. would be the easiest one mm-hmm. naturally to pull that off. But because can by no means take anything away. Kenny Smith, I remember as a player and yeah. he's done great with his career on the court and outside of the court. But since people need names, Shaq. So it's like, oh man, yeah. Well, that's why I said. You know, like, Charles is like, man, I'm Charles is too done with anything like that. Charles like, I'm is good. out here going to NHL playoff games or well, Stanley Cup games. But 
What I was saying is, if you always you you brought up the fact that a lot of the bigger names aren't there, maybe you just have some of the bigger names actually hosted. Hey, LeBron, you know you you're not going to win anything, but well, can you come host? No, anymore? that's just like Kanye coming and not winning the war. <laughs> think about that. No one no, shows I up. Le- I don't think LeBron is like that. That's I don't think LeBron being, is like that. It's not about being LeBron. That's just kind of goes with like if I'm coming to perform on that show, mm-hmm. I'm getting this, I'm getting a war. No one ch- comes you get a sh- check. You get a check. Yeah, LeBron needs the the check from the NBA Awards hey, show. Let me tell you something. What you, you get richer by getting more money? Please. And like here goes this fifty hundred thousand dollars, LeBron. He can donate it. He can donate it for his uh, for his school. He donate for his school. Mm-hmm, okay. We know one person who wouldn't be doing is Mark Jackson because he's blackballed from the NBA, from the uh, NBA. Which we'll get to that later. Oof. What about the the BET Awards? How about those awards? What do you got there? I don't can't know. watch the, all the awards. I don't know if I wanted you to bring that up the way you did that in that manner. Hey, we did. I don't even know how you meant that. Wait, man, we do. We just found out that I uh, didn't watch. I'm not the big. I'm not the. He's the award show watcher. I watched like half. But he doesn't of watch the sports award shows. No, I ain't watch none of that. <laughs> Well, he told us you had your thoughts. You had your. I didn't. I, I didn't see the beat. No, I did yes, see the beat. You did. Yeah, you told yeah. me she saw. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I never watch it. Yeah, I did he it told us. Year. I did. I didn't just randomly bring it up. You're right. I was being bad to you. Uh, Ryan is uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. I did it <laughs> <laughs> with the Howard too. No, it's a joke. But uh, the BT Awards, real quick. I thought that I thought one that Cardi B should have had a solo performance there. I thought, like, I had a bet going with After huh. that I thought she was going to come back out and she didn't. She only did the thing with Offset, the song that they have together. I like that, actually. Yeah, okay. Um, I liked it. I know. I didn't say that was bad. I, I still think she needed her own performance because, mm. I mean, she is the hot female. This is the BET Awards. I thought she was going to do that. Yeah. Mary J. Blige killed. Oh, boy, I didn't tell you something. Man, she was struggling, though. Mary B. Mary. I saw Mary. I saw Mary J. Live in '96. Mary was younger though, and probably floating a little bit. But I tell you what, she struggled through that. It was great. It was a great 20 minutes of solid Mary. That's she. Woo, when she got finished, she was like, "Damn!" Because usually you don't do your own tribute. They usually have to. She was True. like, "She's like, no, nah, I'm gonna do this." <laughs> Who you want? Nobody. I want this done right. Yeah, me. I'm getting all. They listen. They, no not, drama. They're not releasing your version of my song. They can release my version doing it here tonight live for y'all. No wonder it starts MJ. Yeah, that's, that's the type of personality MJB. that you need. I'm trying. To that was a great performance, though. She did a great job. She did a really. She did a really, really great really job. job. Um, I'm trying to think what else took place. I can barely remember. Look, Lil Nas X with uh, Billy Ray. That was really big out there. Did you see uh, Kyle's tweet about the? The Billy Ray Cyrus thing? No, I saw that somebody said, I think it was um, a political commentator. I think she said that Billy Ray can come to the cookout and he can have a big piece of chicken. Yeah. Oh, Cal- the big piece of chicken? Yeah. Hell no, he can't have a big piece of chicken. And Cal was like, that's why I don't go, that's why I don't eat with a lot of y'all. Yup. <laughs> Hell, the big piece of chicken? That Cus- chicken? Cuzzo was like, I ain't messing with y'all. No. She said the big piece of chicken? I think she said the big yep. piece of chicken. Y'all that is verified. The big piece of chicken. Just put on dingy white clothes and start Picking up white stuff on the ground. Hey, damn. Dog. But he went to Howard. No. <laughs> what? The big. Oh, listen, wait, wait, wait. For, for doing a song that, of course, was going to increase his own popularity because it was a hot song and it's a, a joke song. It's not like. The kid's on now. It's not like he got on some woo or like some. Like, man, that Mob Deep with Billy Ray Cyrus was hard. You know what I'm saying? Where it was like. Damn man, that that wit 
right? Like, so you telling me for, for, for getting on this jokey song that he can have the big piece of chicken at the cookout? So I guess the, the, the big piece of chicken is just open to anybody damn near. But he helped grandma across the street. Big piece of chicken. I still got a shot. You do? No, you, you ask. <laughs> the work you do here, clearly, you should, you should come to my house and just take my plate. Uh, no, yeah. I eat first. Exactly. And what are you smoking? <laughs> kitten, kitten. Kelsey, get back. Mm-mm. I can smell the smoker in the back. Well, There's something good up. here. Everybody stand up to Ryan take his first bite. <laughs> we, and we all just look with our eyes long and deep. <gasps> look, okay. how you, look how you eat that chicken. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> he set the microphones up so well. His lips are greasy, but yet still not. I don't understand. No, I'm joking. Fill so it with that white meat. <laughs> <laughs> So no, with the awards, it was the award weekend uh, this past weekend. So no, it was cool. I I, I watched kind of like bits and pieces of all that. I'm the, I've kind of fallen out of love with the award shows. Been, I really have. I've been. Yeah, I used yeah. to be kind of an award show guy, and I've fallen. I used to love them. Bit. What was the oh, one you all, watched mostly? Oscars was the big one for me. But then when they got rid of like cinematography and stuff like that, it's like, mm, I, like I can that. see why that's this probably, is just for show and glam. Yeah, like, that's probably the only one that I probably still watch. And I don't even watch half of those damn movies. I was going to say, since I don't do the movies like I used to, yeah. I'm not I'm not as... um. I don't have skin in the game right there. And I think back in the days when I was a move, more of a movie buff, mm-hmm. that I, pro- I was a lot more into the Oscars than I've been over the last decade for the most part. Well, I hate that it's like you got to be super artsy or they're trying to be like, let's try to include yeah, yeah. the commercial in here. It's just like, how about picking now like the best to. movies and not worrying about how good they do? But the issue is now a lot of the best movies box office wise are the commercial ones so you gotta get everything I and guess. like some of the artsy movies it's like yeah we get it I saw really did you see artsy. Roma did you see Roma no I did not it was pretty good I did I did. you know what this past Oscar season I watched actually a lot of the movies I didn't watch it this year I watched it like the year before that yeah. this year I don't remember watching who, who won it best, best film mm-hmm. I don't know I'll figure it's something called Google you guys doing us a disservice <laughs> Well, you brought up these damn awards. That we're no longer awards. We're saying we're no longer awards. Said, I didn't. I don't. I don't watch. Half, I didn't see half the movies. And said I actually did see. Most I saw. Of Ro- I saw Roma. I did see that. Black Klansman. Nah. Black Panther. Yeah, that shouldn't have maybe made that one. I like Black Klansman. Yeah, I think Black Klansman was a cool movie. Yeah, it was a cool movie. I don't think it was. Uh, it was worth all that. Well, yeah, you have a lot. But going back to the NBA, edit all this for Spike Lee. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> and yeah, he won for best screenplay. Uh, but no, going back to the NBA awards. I mean, listen. I guess if you want to try to get bigger names in it, you just gotta pay. If you want to get bigger celebrities out there to maybe pay. host, you gotta pay. You can't pay. Anybody. Drake did it. I think Drake did it the first year, right? They ever really did it. Was he the first host? I remember he was one of the kind of like first. Big I remember hosts. him hosting the All Star Game because that was the you. It was funny to see the interaction between him and Kobe after the uh, she wasn't on the shooting with free throws with you line and kind of kind of. Oh yeah. So it was yeah. like he did the introduction to. It may have been in Toronto that year. Yeah, he I did think, the introduction. I remember him doing that, and he may have he done the ESPYS. He hosted. Yeah, no, he, he did the ESPYS. He probably he did, did the ESPYS. I think he did Drake an game, award show too. I don't man. think Drake doing the NBA awards. No. No, not that. I had to look that up. I, I think don't he, even know if they got He's an NBA dude, though. I'm not saying he's not, but I mean, again, this is low tier where it goes and who wants to host this, bro. But hey, but you know what? Looking at the NBA right now, and I think we all kind of will agree to this, it's the one lead that's constantly going. I mean, offseason, one of our podcasts was called What Offseason? Something's always going. We just had Dame Lillard drop a diss track on Marvin Bagley. What other league does that? 
Did you listen to him? Yeah, yeah, I did actually. Yeah, it was pretty good. Dame can rap though. Dame is Dame can actually rap. He's not bad. Anthony I Anderson to it. did it last year. Okay, all right, that's not about good. You know, I do think Drake and Anthony Anderson are, are they're. Cold. I didn't say Drake did it last year. I'm saying Drake did it before. I don't think Drake's ever did no, it. No, I thought he did it. The only way Drake can get on ABC is when the finals are on there. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. If you want bigger names, you just got to pay for them. You just got to pay for them. I mean, but it's a lot of NBA. It's a lot Shouldn't of NBA big celebrities names within the I'm league. I'm wrong. Drake hosted the first one. Not that you can. Why wouldn't they just like get celebrities within the game? Why wouldn't they just get the big personalities from the league yeah. to host it? That's what I would think. But, but you had Shaq, though. But as Ken said, he watched this. He gave us a book report. And he wasn't good. He tried, but it was bad. It wasn't good. So Charles Barkley, maybe try to get a little, like I said, LeBron James. Try to get some And But see, and then with that, Barkley, you have to have great writers. LeBron, he lives in this world a little oh. bit more now, so he'll be better. I'm do not you, saying he still wouldn't use writers. Do you remember Chuck on SNL? How bad that was? Oh my God, it was terrible. No, I don't. He, good writers. I remember him with them. Pat, maybe. Oh, he oh did. I remember he him hosted with, um, what's the name? Was it? I forget who used to do that character. I don't think it was Al Franken. He's like, you're good enough. You're strong enough. You're smart enough. I think he did that, like, because I know Michael Jackson did it. Yeah. I mean, Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan did it. Michael Jordan did it. Yeah. I think maybe, but I can't. No, I can't remember Barkley. How long ago was this Barkley? Uh, ooh, past maybe three years, three, oh, four years. I'm talking about in the 90s. I clearly don't remember. Yeah, yeah. No, he, I think he hosted about three or four years ago, something like that, and it was hot garbage. Of course it would be. So good writers couldn't even help him. Right. I mean, but it's having fun, though. I mean, it's the NBA Awards. So again, looking at the awards, you, I, I didn't go with Coach of the Year. I didn't think it should have been Budenholzer. I think it should have been Mark, uh, Mike Malone. I said that all year long. Mm. Uh, taking it in the West, taking a team that mm-hmm. was out of the playoffs all the way mm-hmm. to second in the West. I think, and also he didn't have Giannis. I think she, again that that Denver team is loaded, but it's not Giannis in the East. So I, I to me from from uh, beginning of the race to the end of the race, I think Mike Malone did the best job. Uh, for me, but typically, whoever the MVP is, nice. No, typically. it's not typically. Most time, it's not. Most time, most time, it's not. LeBron's coach didn't win the MVP. I mean, it's LeBron James. He was but, basically coach. Ty Lue, you no, gonna no, give no. it to Ty Lue? No, 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 no. Phil Jackson only has about two, how many of them? About two coaches of the year. He didn't get one in LA. He may have one. Like he, he, if if, if he has three, I'd be that. I would limit it at three. Mm. No, the guy with the the best coach does not necessarily the best team. You do not win. You win for what your team, how far your team went compared to last year, for the most part. Unless again, let's just say, yeah. Unless again, your your team was so crazy. Like let's say, like uh, when uh, and I don't know if he went it with Steve Kerr, but when of course when the Bulls won seventy three, I mean seventy two, and then when you look at Golden State winning seventy three, it has to be something like that for a a coach on a favorite team to win it. But no, uh, usually, even though the MVP can go to a certain amount, a certain player, a certain amount of times before, voters get tired with coach of the year doesn't have three. Like I said, yeah. Mm. What? Hold on. Okay. But no, he. I know in general that he. it's not like he has four or five, which with the, with the amount of teams and the amount of uh, great records that he put up, you would think. I wonder how many Pop has, but still, usually it doesn't go to best player, uh, MVP's coach necessarily wins. Think about it like this, and I, again, it's kind of funny that I bring this up. He has one. Yeah. I'm just, so, I mean, even going along with that, did, 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 uh, did Billy Donovan win when when you look at uh, 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 Westbrook winning last year? Who was coach of the year last year? Dwayne Casey. 
Yeah, you're right. Dwayne Casey. It was not. Uh, it it was not. Um, uh, what's his name? Mike D'Antoni. Thank you. It was not Mike D'Antoni. So again, to the point. No, you don't win Coach of the Year because you have the MVP on your team. I gave for the past ten years. Uh, 2009 was Mike Brown. Uh, 2010 was Scott Brooks. 2011 we Tom to, Thibodeau. What, what? I'm trying to what? teams. I'm gonna give you teams. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Thibodeau um, won when Rose was the MVP. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Mike Brown was with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. 2009. Uh, Scott Brooks went Oklahoma City, 2010. Wait a minute now. Are these the years that I, they all won MVP? When did when did uh, uh, KD win the MVP? Not when 2010 was it? It was after the year after Rose, so it could have. been. Okay, all right. Greg Popovich in 2012, San Antonio, obviously. Uh, George Call with the Denver Nuggets in 2013. Greg Popovich again 2014, San Antonio Spurs. Mike Boone holds a first time with Atlanta Hawks in 2015. Steve Kerr 2016. Mike D'Antoni 2017. Dwayne Casey 2018 with the Raptors. And once again, I said before, your 2019 Coach of the Year, Mike Budenholzer. Mike Budenholzer. 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 There you go. With the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, so that one I would say would be that one was my issue. And again, I wanted Giannis to win the MVP, but I think if they kept it fair, when you have a guy averaging 36 points in the league, and that's only happened so many times in our lifetime, I think for the most part that supersedes. Unless again, Giannis has a, 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 a he had a fantastic year, but statistically a great year. I'm sure if we look at some of the analytics, that someone can make a stronger argument for him. You was fine with Lou Williams getting six men of the year. That's Lou Williams award award, and it's, especially it's, it's only named after him between him and Jamal Crawford. Especially when you look at that team, it wasn't he was being a true six man because I have to think. After making some trades, and I, I think so, Montrez Harold he started a lot more in the second half of that season. Uh, when you look at um, Tobias Harrison, what was the little tall center that ended up going to the super tall center that went with him? forgot they used to have that show together. But again, it's freeing up that forward and that center spot. Montrez Harrell, who was a finalist for the sixth man of the year, when I was watching, I was like, he started more games like that. But Lou Williams, the point that I'm trying to make, was a, a real six man mm-hmm. when you look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, he so that, that he deserved it. No, especially when you look at what that team did, and he averaged 20 points. Points off the bench. Twenty points. Uh, I mean, and it, it propelled that team. Who at the trade deadline, people thought were going to end up in the was going to end up in the draft. It was beneficial to them to end up in the draft because they had a draft pick that was going to go out depending on where they landed. And uh, no, he definitely does. I had no problem with that one. He has the second best average point average ever to win rookie um, to win six men in a year. Uh, number one is Ricky Pierce. Guard from, uh, no, oh, no, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Milwaukee, 23 points off the bench. Yeah. Uh, Lou Williams, last year he won, he had averaged 22.6 this year, 20 points. That's but he's won it three years, one with Toronto and two with the Clippers. Jamal Crawford has won it, two with the Clippers, one with the Hawks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, guys doing work, man. That's, that's good. I mean, and, and they finally found their role. And Jamal Crawford, it's, it's probably the tail end of his career. Although he can, he can always go out there and get you points, but it's probably the tail end. But Lou Williams, man, he's definitely made that niche for himself, and it's good. If you had a choice, which one would you take? In their primes, Jamal. I would take Lou Williams. I take Jamal. Jamal could drop fifty on you, but see, in their primes, yeah, I think Lou Williams, his points off the bench are more consistent. Because even from like sometimes Jamal Crawford streaky can, too yes, streaky for you can be he can be too streaky and Lou Williams and also Lou Williams is getting into that lane so you're getting those points either from him knocking them down or getting to the free throw line sometimes with Jamal he's going to dance too much on the outside so again 
most even though I, I can't even diss Lou Williams and just put his talent over. I think Jamal Crawford is freakier than Lou Williams, mm-hmm. but I would probably take Lou Williams because I think Lou Williams is more consistent. And in a lot of situations, when when your when your front uh, starters are limited and you really need disease teams, you need your six man. Mm-hmm. I, I need the six man that's there damn near every game. I feel you, but man, Jamal could literally go off for fifty on you quick. I think I think he was, he was starting there though. Yeah, but even if you, but even if he when in his prime when he would heat up, and if to say he was to that point, to the to six man, I would still feel like man Jamal can go out there and get night. Obviously, coming off the bench, he's not gonna give you fifty points, but he has that potential. He still has that scoring ability to go out there and just light you up. I definitely, I definitely understand where you're coming from with Lou Williams, though. I think Passos Siakam definitely deserved to be most improved. Oh, it wasn't a question on that one. It was one. easily. That was easy. I look easy. forward to seeing what he's going to do with the rest of his career and getting signed. Uh, Masai Ujiri, the president of the Raptors, basically said today from ESPN that he's going to stay with Toronto. Smart move. And that he's getting a good feeling about Kawhi. I think if he stays, Kawhi stays. I don't know how long of a deal Kawhi would do. Kawhi is, what, 26? He'll be 28 in September. Oh, he'll be tw- okay, he's 27 right now. Yeah. So... Or it'd be 28 like two It's something like He's gonna be 28 Before the season Okay starts. So I'm envisioning If I put on my uh, Genie hat right here I'm seeing Two two A two and one That'd be a one and one I'm seeing two and one With Toronto mm-hmm. He's gonna wanna get to that money He can still get to that money He's he still in your wait. prime You're 30 He gets to, If he's a well, one and one He's at 10 years He's not gonna Sit there and wait an additional year before he can get to the big contracts either there or someplace else. Dose. It's going to be a one and one. One and one? Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I, well, I definitely would say with uh, Jury staying, that's definitely helpful. Because, listen, man, they have it right here. The only, I ain't going to say the only, but the two biggest threats really is Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. We have to see exactly if they grow. Because if they don't grow, they ain't getting past Toronto. And if you... Uh, you got to look at Milwaukee. But okay. Milwaukee may lose somebody in friends. Exactly. And that's the thing, too. I know, a lot of, I, know, I know a lot of people are always talking about, man, Giannis has to, he has, I mean, Giannis has to uh, develop his game more. That's very, very true. He needs a stud next to him, like a true stud. Pascal was that for Kawhi, but that was kind of like, all right, yeah, he worked out a lot better on the offseason. A lot of people reported, but. Man, we didn't expect to see that from him. And if you can get that consistently from him, and Cal Lowry is just the the Cal Lowry's a, your, your point guard, they got something. Man, Milwaukee got to get a stud, and it's going to be very, very hard to get a stud to in Milwaukee. And I, I, was, I was thinking about it this week. Last week, talking to Sean Hike, and I asked him that question. Mm-hmm. And I didn't push back enough. Because when I mentioned Chris Middleton and saying that he should be a three, and his point was valid when he said they're third option, man. They're stuck. Yes, they're stuck with who? Who else are they going to get? And it hit me later on this week when I was like, you know what? When he said that, I knew what I was going to say, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say it. They have to do something else. Like because if you stay in that pattern and it's like, well, these are our guys. We're just stuck here. You're going to end up, and they're going to be their their potential is higher. The you're going to be like Toronto. We have the bull. No, you're going to be like Toronto last year. Oh, last year. Okay. Where right. it's like you. I'm saying bulls back. We today. we get to our ceiling. Like that's all we can do. We get to our ceiling, and our ceiling isn't enough to win an NBA title. There's a chance, depending on injury next year, that they can still make it to the finals. I won't take that yeah, away. They have to. But they have not, to win a yeah, championship. They're not the odds-on favorite if Philly. Philadelphia brings back one or two and Embiid's healthy. I, I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying odds on favor. I'm saying the second runner up because I think the odds on favor, if the Toronto bring back Kawhi, they're bringing back Marcus Saul. The only person on Toronto, I think, 
that has is Danny Green. Danny Green, yeah. That has, is a free agent, free agent. Everybody else, they have some option to bring to run everything back, I believe. So if you're looking at that, I think with when you just have Chris Middleton and if you can hold on to, to Brogdon, and look, you're gonna lose, you're losing a, a Meritick. All right, he's he's gone, right? And I'm not saying like that's the end all be all, yeah, but know, still, right? it's another shooter Man, to come in around this guy that's crashing into the lanes. They basically made you successful. Yeah, this it past helped season. with what? Hey, mm-hmm. every, everyone mm-hmm. out, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's to to me when I was talking to Sean Hyken, I was really saying that what is the general manager going to do that's different than staying pat? Because staying pat's probably going to end up in a situation where you guys are real good, but you're not taking home the prom queen. You have to win a championship chip in order to get somebody to come out there and to come to Milwaukee or and trade them. for them and let them experience you going for it. Yeah, you could try you could kind of possibly do the uh Kawhi to Toronto kind of a thing like okay, but yeah, but you got to find somebody who You got to but I mean you got to target I don't even that know person. if you can do that though because you're going to have to spend big money to keep them, right? I'm moving. Listen, unfortunately, I, I, got, I guess I, I can't do it this year. Who you moving? I'm moving. Rob, I'm moving Chris, Chris Milton. I'm gonna sign to Chris Milton. And guess what I'm gonna do with Chris Milton? Yeah, but what are you gonna get you coming back? I'll, a stud. You know what I need. I don't. I don't need, need a stud. stud. I need a good player and a potential player. Is what I'm man. I think you need more than that now. No, because I'm saying this. See, this is what I'm we talking about winning championships, right? Uh, see, you signed me, Jerry, right? In a situation like this, and I'm not going to say this is how he got him. Of course, it's not. He was sitting. Look at Danny Green and and Kawhi. I need a guy that's close, if not an all star. But what I really need is that young player under control that I can't get because my team is always finishing in the 20s or at 30 when it comes to the draft. Like you, you need to take advantage, spot a player that you like. You need a guy that can help Kawhi a little bit more as far as creating his own shot. But you also need to bring in a young player with control that you don't have to pay to open up this championship window and strengthen this championship window. Yeah, I mean, they had to do something because what they have right now is great. It's good enough to get you to possibly the NBA Finals, possibly, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not enough to win it, barring any kind of injuries to the top dog teams. Uh, but barring any of that, man, they they need a lot. But but shout out to Milwaukee, man. They had a great season, and Giannis. I think, in my opinion, he definitely deserved the uh, MVP. Uh, real quick, and we're gonna talk about this with Tony Gill later on in the show. Uh, rumors that Darren Morey, uh, in charge of basketball operations for the Houston Rockets, uh, wants to try to get Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. to force a signing trade. Mm-hmm. A third team will be needed uh, to take in and help facilitate that deal. The players that I've mentioned that perhaps will be moved out of Houston is Clint Capella and Eric Gordon. So no CP3. How? Mm-hmm. Like, no, what you think... <laughs> Wait, how much is Eric, Philly's gonna be like? How, yeah, send me that. Wait a minute, how much is Eric Gordon? How much do the Bulls have? They would they be the only enough. team that would take him. They don't have enough to take him. They got twenty three million. Enough to take what? Uh, Chris Paul. Yeah, he's like what thirty something million. And now? it's gonna end at forty two. John Pax guy right there. Oh, it's, believe that it is. Even though I don't know if he wants someone like it's, it's, it's I don't want know if he wants someone that is a bulldog like that with boiling. Because CP3 is going to be like, what if he doesn't think the coach is doing something proper? Come on. They don't think like that. They just see the dog and they want the dog. Okay. <laughs> I won't argue with you. 
But uh, yeah, that's that's one of the things that's interesting to see if Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey can pull off this and not saying it'll work because then you'll have another cantankerous person to go along with Chris Paul and laid back James, James Harden. Uh, but it's still, if he can do it, it's props to him for being a GM that's always going for it. And in a league that the cap seems like it restricts people, think about it, he got rid of Dwight Howard and still ended up with another star in CP3. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got the White House. Like, for, he's always moving and tinkering, and usually it's like, no, we can't do anything because we don't have any cap space, and he's always figured out a way. Clint would be the best option because he's only 25 years old. For his, who? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, okay. another team would yeah, probably want him, like, yeah. Easily, easily. Yeah, I, I, I'll take a, a random rim guy. I mean, and Air Gordon. Air Gordon is scheduled, is, uh, he's up to make $14 million this upcoming season, and that's it. So it'll be kind of like a moving, uh, expiring contract, mm-hmm. which is not a bad move. But Ken Capella, 16.4 next year with his upcoming season. After that, 17.5, then 18.5, then 19.5. Very movable. Very movable. But the question is, okay... I guess that would be enough. Would you have to move both of them to kind of get Jimmy? Because Jimmy's going to get a hefty contract, right? And is that working? Thirty something. The three of those three: Harden, Butler, Paul. How is that even going to work with no defensive center? No, they just lost Ariza this past season, and you can definitely tell they took a step back. They took a step back. So there's going to be a lot of second tier free agents out there that can mess with. All right. Uh, coming up on the other side of this break, we're going to talk to Tony Gill, uh, go into what's going on with the Bulls and also the rest of the NBA. Dean Davis Show. What's up, everybody? It's Cameron Smith from CBS 2 Chicago. You're listening to the D and Davis Show. D and Davis Show. And uh, we're lucky enough to finally get a second with our former executive producer. He is the executive producer of the Lawrence Holmes Show. You can find it from 12 to 2 p.m. on 6 7 to score. He covers the Bulls and his EP of Behind the Headlines and host of No Zones, his Bulls podcast, which you get a little bit more of when the season starts. I'm sure he has something to do about the draft that just took place. His name is Tony Gill. How you doing, Tony? I'm doing good. Actually, we just took me and we can't back to record a, a new episode uh, yesterday, this week, and that will be out tomorrow after the show. Uh, so after 2 p.m., it'll be, uh, be available. Okay. What's the episode mostly about? Is it just the Bulls or is it about the NBA also with Fridge coming up? Uh, we kind of split the difference. Um, we did the first half of the episode. We talked about the Bulls and um, discussed uh, the new draft picks. And then after that, we just started dialing into, you know, the uh, the NBA and uh, what's going on in the agency in the offseason. So, look, let's go straight to the draft. I mean, we can talk about the second-round pick, but, I mean, we really want to talk about Kobe White. Uh, look, <laughs> we definitely had some talks in our text line with one of our boys, uh, 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 Melvin Taylor, about this draft because Melvin wanted the Bulls to trade up for I don't know what. <laughs> to trade up to number four for the greatest fourth pick in history of the draft. But, look, when when you look at the fact that Kobe White fell to the Bulls and the Bulls kept their, powders dry, kept their powder dry, what was your thoughts on that? Them waiting for the, probably the pick they thought they were going to get here. I, I know you didn't think there was going to be a point guard at this point. So what was your mm-hmm. thought then? Yeah, uh, like you just said, I didn't expect a point guard to be available. When Minnesota moved up, I thought that was a done deal because Minnesota is actively looking for uh, upgraded point guard play. Jeff T is not their long-term solution for the position. Uh, and Derrick Rose probably won't be back for the team. So I thought that move up was to grab Darius Garland or Kobe White. But they take Jared Culver, you know, and that was kind of like a shock to, to everyone. But there you go, and Kobe White's left for the Bulls at seven. And that was 
probably the best case scenario for the Bulls because, as you know, we were expecting or it, there were rumors that the Bulls were looking to move up in this bad draft, <laughs> which would have been awful because moving up, uh, you know, in, in a draft in general, it takes a lot. You know, teams are giving up either a lot of picks. When you look at Atlanta, they gave up multiple picks uh, to move up to where they got uh, Hunter, DeAndre Hunter, uh, and then Minnesota moved up uh, in the draft as well, passed in front of the Bulls, and that was probably worst-case scenario uh, for Bulls fans, or the Bulls giving up, you know, the little assets that they do have to move up in a in a bad draft. Uh, and then when they didn't have to move up and still got their guy who was relatively high on their board, that's good. They didn't have to do anything. They let the guy come to hit, come to them, and they won out. And I like the pick, uh, considering the draft isn't all that great in talent. But if they were going to take a guy, they took Kobe White, a positional need for this team, also uh, for talent. So it ended up working out very well for the Bulls. Yeah, for positional need, he was the best talent available also. Real quick, mm-hmm. this is my thought. Watching Minnesota trade up and, and draft Jared Culver, I was like, damn, Jimmy Butler really made it. Because they're actually drafting Jimmy Butler types now. Like, you know you made it when they draft your type. Like, I want a Jimmy Butler type. I was like, well, damn, Jimmy. You actually made it. But look, T, break down what we can expect from uh, pros and cons, limitations, and what he does well outside of just his speed when we're talking about a Kobe White. Well, I'll start with his cons. Um, Not great defensively. I actually heard it on Zach Lowe's podcast, and we discussed it on uh, the new episode in those zones that's coming out. Uh, that the, the the only like real, you know, bad things that I heard about Kobe White was, you know, his lack of, you know, wingspan. You know, he's six five, but wingspan is about only about six one. Um, that means he's probably not going to be able to guard twos, which you you know kind of thought being six five, you know he's a bigger guard, but he's not really going to be trusted to guard you know twos. He's probably just going to be guarding point guards. Um, his decision making is not really all that great. I mean, but he's a teenager, you know, and he was a one year guy, so that can be improved, but going into the pros, that's going to be an issue. Uh, so Bulls fans shouldn't be frustrated with him just yet. Um, pace of play, he needs to know when to you know, slow, slow it down some. That would be greatly appreciated. I mean, he's going to pick up the pace. That's his style. That's what he's going to be trusted, trusted to do. Uh, but that's going to be an issue as well. Um, and defensively and finishing at the rim. Finishing at the rim is going to be huge. Uh, so he's going to have to learn to at least get to the free throw line uh, a bit more in the, at the pro level uh, because he isn't that great, you know, coming to the rim. So those are kind of the biggest detriments for me. Uh, but the pros, I think, outweigh the cons because, you know, he can push the pace for your offense. He That height is a help for this team. When you trot out, you know, Levine, uh, Kobe, um, you know, Otto Porter, Lori Market and Wendell Carr. That's a pretty big lineup, you know, and, th- and that's what you want, you know, at least in part to be able to do some, some, some slight switching. I'm not saying that they're going to be switching exclusive, but they can do some slight switching, which, which can help them defensively. Um, 
you also you got a guy with Zach Levine who can be ball dominant at times, and you're not worried that uh, with Kobe that teams are going to be sagging off of him. That's also a, a bonus because with Chris Dunn, if Chris Dunn didn't have the ball, you didn't really have to guard Chris Dunn. <laughs> so that's also a benefit and something that the Bulls were also looking at uh, going into this draft and drafting a point guard. So those are pros and cons of just a, just a small sample of what we can expect from Kobe White. D and Davis show on allowance right now as a producer of the Lawrence Holmes show down at 670 score Tony Gill make sure you follow Tony on Twitter at Tony Gill 670 now Tony I want to what's going on T blue check Tony (laughs) (laughs) Um, wait a minute so I want to go back to when Kobe was drafted and you were there at the Advocate Center and great job to all the guys down at 670 score and uh, definitely you uh, hopefully you heard it on radio.com app um, how shocked do you think the Bulls front office was when Kobe was available to them? Um, I think they were, I don't know if it was shocked, but it was more, again, like we just, like I just said before, just happy they didn't have to give up any assets to take their guy. Um, and I, I got a feeling that from what he was talking about, you know, after the draft, during the presser, it seems like they were prepared to make that move if their guy wasn't there. Uh, if they if they felt like, you know, Kobe or Darius Garland uh, wasn't going to be there for them to take, but he was. You know, so I, once that they got their guy, they were all good. I mean, it worked out for all of them. Can you imagine? Going into you know today's you guys today's show or the shows after in Chicago where the Bulls gave up you know Zach Levine or somebody major to take you know Kobe White and then now we're looking at Kobe White different now we're looking at all the times <laughs> you know we're not really looking at what he what he you know, can bring you know to the team as an asset because you had to give up so much to take him so I think the Bulls were 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 happy you know that. They ended up with that guy without being able to move up. All right, now I want to talk about your guy, Jim Boylan. All right, do you trust <laughs> Kobe White in Jim Boylan's hands? I mean, do we have a choice? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I mean, you <laughs> I mean, let me know. That's your guy. <laughs> he was going to be here for, for three years. And I, I, I haven't felt as comfortable, you know, in terms of, you know, I take that back. I did say uh, Fred Hoiberg was going to get in the and then he got fired the same season. Uh, but I feel like John Baxter really likes this guy. So, I mean, we don't really have a choice. This is the pairing. They trust Jim Boylan to grow the young core that built, that's built for Fred Hoiberg, but they trust him with Jim Boylan. Um, and it's, I don't know. I don't know if, if Jim Boylan can coach. Just being flat out honest. <laughs> I mean, he's my guy, as you guys know, but I don't know if he can coach. Um, he had issues last season, um, getting those guys prepared, getting them to trust him, even though he was on the staff. That was a big issue for me. Um, his pace of play, they were 21st in the league last year. That's not good like at all. Um, he had a lot of post-ups, which is weird in 2019 you know in, in a 2019 NBA offense that's a problem um, but he didn't have great point guard play so I can't you know really say a whole lot about that um, he didn't have it can't do it with Chris Dunn can't get it done with Ryan Archie Diakono can't get it done with you know Shaq Harrison 
So this year, I think we're, we're going to find out if Jim Boylan can be trusted, you know, going forward. I mean, uh, just to make a, just a slight, you know, example, you look at Rick Renteria, some people are not happy with him and feel like he's not the guy going forward, that he was just a transitional, you know, manager for this young group. Um, that may be the same thing with Jim Boylan. We will see this year if he can handle that type of responsibility. Cause it's a lot. They're entrusting him for this, the big major part of this rebuild, because these are the guys, Kobe White, Zach Levine, Laurie Marketing, Wendell Carter. These are the guys now. So can he help them improve? Right now on the line, we have Tony Gill, executive producer of the Lawrence Holmes Show. Uh, make sure you check out No Zones dropping today. It's hot as fire. Him and Rick Camp breaking down the Bulls and the NBA. Uh, but Tony, look, I have to ask about free agency. Uh, I think my first thoughts, of, co- of course, is uh, are the Bulls bringing back Todd Gibson? And what are the options when we're looking at the point guards that will be coming in here? And how much money exactly do the Bulls have as far as, and I know you're not a cap specialist, something tells me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but oh, if they <laughs> if they have their exceptions. But look, even uh, this is the thing, because I think you already would, would, would have said this. We will say this. Since the Bulls aren't in a contending mode, really, would you use your exceptions anyway at this point, even though that they're definitely going to tell us that they're going to try to do better when it comes to winning this year? Uh, the Bulls have about around $24 million in free uh, of cap space uh, available to them. And that's, that's that's pretty decent, you know, considering what they're looking for. Uh, they're not looking to, you know, do any long-term, you know, four-year deals or anything like that with anybody. Um, but if you want to sign, you know, a couple front-end loaded um, two, three years at most uh, contracts, they have that availability and flexibility to do that. Um, the Bulls are looking at point guard, veteran help, and uh, big uh, veteran help Um you said Taj Gibson, that would be an excellent one for the Bulls to have. He's already familiar with the organization. Uh, from all accounts, he doesn't have any bad blood with the organization, which is, you know, first <laughs> for anybody leaving the Bulls. So that's good. Um, and I think he can be an excellent teacher uh, for, for a team. And I know that he'd be able to come off the bench, do what he has to do, and show with his actions and not just with his words, but will be a, a plus for you with two young bigs uh, when Wendell Carter Jr. and Laurie Markman. Um, and of course, veteran point guard play. Now with uh, the drafting of Kobe White, um, I don't know, especially because Chris Dunn is still on the roster, I don't know how much they want to invest financially in that position now that they have you know already two point guards on the roster. And I've uh, seen that the Bulls were still looking to keep Ryan Archie Diacono on the roster and not keep Wayne Selden, which is a shocker to me because I thought Wayne Selden played pretty well when he came over. So that would be, that's already three point guards on the roster, you know, now, and it's rare to have four. So I, I, I'm still looking at, okay, do they still want to bring in Pat Beverly? I don't know if, they want to pay that much for Pat Bev. He's still a starter and still looking to start uh, 14. So I, I think Pat Bev is kind of out the window. But Darren Collison is still out there. Ish Smith uh, is still out there. Both veterans, both understand roles, you know, very well where they don't have to start if you don't need them to. Um, 
I think those are very viable options for the uh, for the Bulls going forward. So those two guys and Taj Gibson is a uh, is I think what Bulls fans should be looking at uh, for free agency. Tony, what are you expecting? What maybe I should ask it like this? What do you what do you think Bulls fans should expect from this team this upcoming season? Uh, even though John Paxson wants to, you know, make the playoffs next year. Um, I was talking to Ken after, you know, the draft and I was like, man, 20 year, 20 game, I'm sorry, jump for the Bulls is a a whole lot, man. Not many teams have done it without a major coaching change, a major, you know, acquisition via free agency in terms of a superstar, you know, or a combination of both. Um, and that hasn't, that's not what the Bulls have gone through this year. Um, it's, it's, it's not a, um, real quick for everybody doesn't know. I didn't say 20 games. Donnell Merbury said on our last show, we were talking about that. I just wanted to give people the context of how, oh, how that discussion no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't, I didn't mean Kim was talking about a 20 game. I'm just, we were discussing that people like John Paxson and maybe others that are thinking that the Bulls can make a, you know, seven or eight seed. I mean, at minimum, they will have to make a 20 game jump. And it's just not a normal for a team to make that jump without a major coaching change or a, a key franchise player acquisition. That just doesn't happen. Um, and if going into next year, if you're expecting that, I think you're going to be disappointed. Um, I think, they're going to miss the playoffs next year, which, which is fine. I mean, I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm content with that. This is a, they're still growing. They're still rebuilding. We're, we're still talking about, you know, teenagers, um, the most unpredictable people on the planet uh, that you're trusting to win games for you. And they're not going to win a whole lot. And that that's fine. That's okay. Especially in a growing East. Uh, I think the West still has the, the depth, you know, in terms of one through eight. Uh, but, I think the East is, is starting to get fairly strong as well. Um, so not only are the Bulls are going to be better if they remain healthy. That's key. They have to stay healthy, which has been an issue for the Bulls for the last few seasons, um, which has kind of been a benefit because they've been able to, you know, at least dream about having the top pick because of those injuries. But the fact they're, the fact is they're injury prone. Zach Levine is injury prone. Laurie Markson is injury prone. Um, and hopefully we don't see the proneness of injury with Wendell Carter after he got injured uh, in his rookie season that, that shelved him for a while. Um, but yeah, I'm expecting maybe a, a 10 game jump, 10 to 12 you know, game jump for the team if they stay healthy. Uh, but other than that, I don't think playoffs are, should be in their sights. Do you have your eye on one particular player next year? Like I want to see what this guy does. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, two. But I'm going to start with one. Zach Levine. I mean, this is this be, this be the prove it. What are you in you know, your standing in the NBA now? Um, early on, you were a top you know, five score. Does that kind of weighing down you know, after the minutes kind of piled up for him? Uh, this, is, this, this, this is the year for Zach Levine. Um, is he going to be an all-star? The all-star game, as we all know, is going to be in Chicago. Uh, next year. So is he going to be that guy? Is his playmaking going to take that next step? Because they're going to need it. If he's going to have the ball as much as he needs to be productive, he needs to start keeping his head up on his drives and looking for that open guy instead of keeping his head down 
and try to get to the rim. I want to see if he can get to the free throw line more. That's also key. Uh, Zach takes a lot of tough shots and fades away from uh, contact. That's not good when you're trying to be uh, a go-to scorer. You need to embrace that contact and get to the free throw line. Does he learn that? I mean, this is a huge year for Zach Levine to see if he can be a part of this team going forward or if poss- if that possibility comes around, you know, let's say the Bulls are in that lottery range next year and there's a guy that can be had that fits a little bit more with this young core and has a, a higher ceiling, you may need to move Zach if Zach doesn't prove that he is the guy for this team. Um, another uh, thing that I'm looking at is Wendell Carter. With drafting Kobe White and having Zach Levine, there's going to be a lot of people getting into the paint for the Bulls next year, and he's got to be prepared for that. He's the last line of defense. No uh, pun intended for this team, and he needs to prove that he can stay out of foul trouble. Can he be better at verticality, going up straight up, using his length, using his long arms to deter uh, guys at the rim uh, without fouling? He, he did that a lot last year, picking two early fouls, you know, not being set on screens. He needs to get better at those things. Now, I don't put 100% of the blame on him because he did have that point guard play uh, in terms of not setting Wendell correctly to make sure he's not moving on those screens. Uh, the, that's a point guard issue. But with upgraded point guard play, that you should see that improve a lot better. So those are two guys I'm looking at, Zach Levine and uh, Wendell Carter. All right, Tony, let's get national real quick before we get you out of here. You have the rumors about that that Houston and Daryl Murray maybe trying to go after and influence Jimmy to try to get a signing train out of Philadelphia. You have perhaps mm-hmm. that uh, KD may end up leaving, maybe a signing mm-hmm. trade, but may end up going to the Nets, and then you have what the Lakers may do. What are your predictions and what are you hearing about all these situations or any situations that are going to unfold when free agency starts to begin? I think out of all the guys, I think Jimmy is a wild card. Um, because you can kind of, the way Jimmy plays, you can kind of put him in any situation. You could put him on the Houston Rockets and then have him be like the defender slash third score guy. Um, you can see him going to Lakers and being the third piece there and be fine. Jimmy's the, the, the real wild card. Um, but uh, a, a signing trade is, is tough, especially for the money that Jimmy's going to want uh, with Houston. Uh, in particular, because you got to match that money somehow. So who are they sending away? You can't just send picks. you got to send pieces. This, that means Clint, Clint Capella um, is on the table or, or a combination of Clint Capella and P.J. Tucker. I mean, if they're trying to do this, and I know Dale Murray is just get the stars in and you'll fix everything else, but, I mean, you got to also look at personality too. I mean, I don't – think if if Chris if Chris Paul and you know James Harden didn't get along, you know, Jimmy Butler's kinda in the same vein as, you know, Chris Paul. I mean, is Jimmy gonna like being relegated to standing in the corner and watching? You know, I don't think that's gonna be good for anybody. And I think Jimmy is ready, you know, to be more physically engaged than Chris Paul is, you know, in terms of James Harden if, you know, if if something goes down that way, uh, but any superstar, I mean, how do you pair that with the way James Harden plays? Like it's going to be very, very difficult. And I just don't see 
Houston, if they don't change how they play and James Harden plays, I don't see any combination of superstar joining them. It ain't working. Um, that's probably the, the the most interesting thing with that news coming out, Ken, with with Houston. But uh, the Nets better also the Nets better hope they get Kevin Durant because if they got a team with just Kyrie, that's not good for anybody. <laughs> so that's 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 my two things on Houston and uh, New Jersey and New Jersey, Brooklyn. I got a joke for you, real quick. Did you mm-hmm. have did you notice Daniel Gafford's hair during the presser? Because to me, it looked like he had a helmet on right before he got up there. But um. <laughs> no, what were you about to say? No, I'm about to say he got the the, the, the blonde sponge thing, you know, going. Oh, that ain't spongy, dude. That ain't that's 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 <laughs> just rubbed. That's like he didn't even do the circle with the sponge. He just went forward and back, forward and back, forward and back. But, <laughs> but, and I don't think you've seen this movie, it's Tony. But this is a play, and you can get the play between him and Lawrence, the millennial, and the older gent uh, during the Lawrence Home Show with with T noon at two p.m. on six seven to score. He looks like in 20 years or 30 years, he's going to be telling somebody, my office hours are between four and five. This, he, dude, he looked like Red from the Five Harpies, all right? This brother going to be hanging somebody over a goddamn rail and soon in the future. That's all I had to say. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, hey, Tony, real quick before you go, though. I saw you out there hooping, man, on Twitter, on IG. How do you feel being back there on the court? Yeah, man. I mean, um, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm still bad at basketball. Like, I don't put any falsehood out there. I'm not, I'm not hoping on the regular. But you know, me and my brothers and uh, you know my cousin, we like to still shoot around. We'll, we'll play a game, you know, a horse or around the world stuff. The shot's still there. Like, I still got the shot. It's just everything else that requires being decent at basketball that I can't really do because of my injuries. Uh, but yeah, I feel like to you know get it done, get some shots up. We need, to, we need to all get together and get like a good game. Just not then just play. You know, just have some fun. Man, like for somebody to get hurt. <laughs> right, right, dude. I don't got insurance. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, thanks for hopping on with us, brother, man. You know, we love you, man. Keep doing all the good things down there. We'll see you uh, soon. Yep. All right. Thanks, guys. Right. That was Tony Gale, ex producer of the Lawrence Home Show, down at 670 score. Make sure you follow Tony on Twitter at TonyGill670. All right, coming up next, you know what time it is. Up for grabs, Dean Davis Show. Yo, what up? It's your man, Jay Illa, official Chicago Bears DJ, and you are listening to the Dean Davis Show. Turn it up. Dean Davis Show. All right, it's time to have some fun. Well, Mr. Ryan Bukovetsky, it's time to go up for grabs. What you got for us, Ryan? With the seventh pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Chicago Bulls select Kobe White from the University of North Carolina. Well, let's start off with a little bit of basketball. And now that the Bulls have addressed their point guard position in the draft by acquiring Kobe White, see what do the Bulls need to do next in free agency? Um, I would like, I would like some veteran leadership when it comes to the point guard position. I think you need somebody there who's going to be an extension on the court. I don't know who's going to be starting at the point guard position. I'm guessing it's going to be Kobe White, but it depends on how, you know, how it goes. And maybe Boylan might want to run Chris Dunn out there. I have no idea. Um, but I would like to have somebody on the team who can actually get the minutes and be the extension of Boylan out there. 
this is going to be a very young team. I think the oldest player on the team is going to be Otto Porter, and I think he might be 26 because Brooke Lopez is not coming back. I mean, Robin, one of the Lopez, one of them. I don't care who Kevin is. Um, one of the Lopez is not going. It's Robin. Robin. It's Robin. It's Robin. Robin is not going to be back next year, and he was 31, and he was a leader in the in the um. And they held him captive. And they had him right. He couldn't even go out and get a chance to get a it get a ring. Trade him for anything. Right. Right. He could have been there as Golden State destroyed, self destructed. And I definitely don't think he's going to, you know, saying do out the goodness of his heart. You know, I know most athletes when they come to Chicago like to stay in Chicago, but I don't think he's going to be back. So yeah, looking at the looking at the roster. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Felicio is the oldest, but who's counting him? He's 26, but who's really counting him? Uh, Otto Porter is yeah, he's 26 too. So I think I'm if I was them, I'm looking for a veteran point guard who can come in there on the floor, get good minutes, and be the extension of Boylan to try to see where this team goes. So that's that'll be my. That'll be my target if I was in the front office. Um, I guess, I guess Taj returning. I would like someone who's a little bit more Taj defensive mind, but a little bit more pick and pop. But at least Taj being in the building before, I think it'll be better. And I also think he's probably at a place where um, he'll take the money that the Bulls offer. Plus, from what I hear. You know, Taj grew up in New York, went to USC in L.A., got drafted by the Bulls, that he's ready to flee from small markets after going to OKC in Minnesota. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, think about that. Damn, with Taj up, Gibson. grew up in New York. Yeah, it's true. Grew, then played college, and he was there for, what, three to four three years? Three years, at least, yeah. All right, three years, because he's an old player when we got mm-hmm. him. And then you ended up in Chicago. So, you're in the three top markets in the country, and then you get moved to OKC. Right. What is this? Is that a cow? Exactly. So why is a cow walking uh, down the street? I think Taj and I still I'll still say this. Um, I think the Bulls are gonna end up with Ricky Rubio. No, I think it's a chance the Bulls end up with Ricky Rubio, depending on how much money he'll settle for. Um, but I still wouldn't mind for some odd reason. Southside's very young. Mm-mm. Oh. No, it's not going Derek. I'm oh, not okay. Going Derek. okay, okay. I don't even wish to inflict that on him. I still wouldn't mind a little Austin Rivers. And everyone, y'all, this I, me. No, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying because this he is can get you. He definitely gets you the points. He probably get you what ten to ten to twelve points consistently coming off the bench. Tough. Would he be your sixth man? Yeah, he would be the backup guard, but also due to injury. Due to combination, could be out there with Zach Levine or could be playing shooter with Kobe White. You know what I'm like? He, I think he fits in a multifaceted backcourt where I'm not looking for him to be a starter, but I'm looking at him to be a professional, which I think he is now. Um, I mean, Chris Paul wouldn't have brought his ass back to Houston if he didn't want to. And that's after bickering with his daddy about the boy. Mm-hmm. So I, I still, and he's young. Uh, 26 years old Yeah so I I still Kind of wouldn't mind Depending on the contract Now again If you can get a better Traditional point Backup point guard I understand that And and I'm down with that But if you don't And you're striking out On those guys I wouldn't mind Seeing Austin Rivers here I think it all depends I mean I think It really depends on Well it did depend on What they did With the um, with the draft and factor in injury history, yeah. Oh, for the Bulls, just factor. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it gives you versatility. You talking about Austin Rivers? If Zach gets hurt, 
you know, or if the point guard gets hurt, you don't have to worry about. That's why you just slide in there. Yeah, it, either or. So, it, it, like I say, I think when when the Bulls keep talking about athleticism and being able to be a, a multifaceted team and have multiple ball handlers, I think he's a decent. Yeah, it's not, it's not a bad call. I think I think with Kobe White being drafted, I think a lot of people were looking at, oh man, look at Patrick Beverly, look at this point guard, look at that point guard, a, a, a Rubio. I think that's at the door now as far as like looking at starters. You just need somebody to come in and back up. I don't know. That's why I keep, I'm wondering what's going to happen with Chris Dunn. Is he, you can't really move him. Is he just going to get seventh so or eighth guy? what do you think is going to happen if you can't move him? Dude? No, no, no. I, I, he's definitely going to be on the bench, but I'm talking about for what I want. I want that lead. I want, I want that good backup veteran point guard. But I want somebody that's going to be better than Chris Dunn. I don't want nobody just down on the bench waving a towel like Judd Bushler, and he's a point guard. No, I want somebody out there who's going to be able to contribute. Thirty years old, he can still move. That's what I'm. I'm, I'm I don't know why I'm worried about him, but he just keeps popping up in my mind. I don't know. I think uh, your guy Chris Dunn, he might be in your G League. D, how about Damn. that? Let's put him down in the G League. Damn, <laughs> I'm worried he about. I'm worried about him. And you like send his ass down to the That's G League. Bogus. Damn, he wouldn't even report. Sure wouldn't. <laughs> Try to be back in Providence. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's not reporting to the court when they have game time anyway, yeah. so what's the difference? Man, that's sad. Uh, I'm with you guys. I think veteran point guard, but veteran guard in general would be, I think, my number one free agency checklist that I want for the Bulls. You really just need a guy mentoring as much with Kobe White, but also being a backup in case Zach Levine gets injured or just having that extra guard in case you go to a different lineup. Maybe you want to get a little more athletic. Maybe you want to get a little faster when take advantage of Kobe White's speed or something like that. So uh, that would make a lot of sense. And definitely the mentoring of Kobe White, if it's a point guard, would be very attractive if you got the right guy. And then the next thing I think would just be, you know, big man would be great. Wing would be great. I I think you got to get somebody that can shoot and that can give you something defensively. Because the one thing I'm scared about with this Bulls team, Kobe White can't play defense. We don't know how Zach is on defense. defense? Right. And you go maybe down the Wendell, list. probably Wendell. Uh, Porter Jr. is a decent defender, isn't he? Mm. Just yeah, no, yeah, 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 he is. Decent. He's a good, yeah, yeah he's, he's a three and D kind of guy. Yeah, he is, he is. And then uh, it, it would be great if at least you went to your bench. You had a few guys that could play defense, so that if you don't have that scoring, because right. you're going to get scoring from your starting lineup, but can you hold a lead if you go to your bench? Right. Yeah, this this team is probably going to average to say about 110 points, but they're probably going to give up 115, 117. Cubs now are on the brink of splitting this two-game series with the White Sox. Now let's move it over to some baseball. And, uh, you know, the baseball season is obviously a long one. We go from uh, March all the way to the end of October. I was hoping that your team is there. But I'm just kind of curious, since we all are casually watching baseball now with all the sports kind of on timeout between the other major professionals, who uh, who has been your favorite player to watch so far this baseball season? Mm. Wow, that's a good question. Ugh. That's a hard question for me to say. I got two. Kumar Rocker. Are you asking locally or nationally? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Favorite? It just what you'd like to watch in the baseball season so far. I'm talking about the Vanderbilt pitcher who they're for up 4-0 to Michigan right now. So are they really? They be, oh, Kumar okay. Rocker. Uh, outside of that, that's what's on my head. I'm sorry, this during this baseball season, I'm trying. You know what, Tim Anderson, Tim, like for like, it and it, it probably it means the most 
because we've always tried to move him to center field. Mm-hmm. And uh, for him to say this was my job, and you see what he was he was bringing this, regardless of Manny Machado was there this year or not, this is what he was going to bring into the fold. Uh, also, the national, like just nationally, like he is a lightning rod in the MLB. Like he helps the White Sox get more attention. Now you have Eloy and what he did in New York that helped him. Hi, mom. You have Mankata and even what he did last night against us. But you know these guys that are breaking through. You have Lucas Giolito who's battling a little bit with losses to the Cubs, and then what happened last night against Boston. Um, and again, I'm looking at my team, the White Sox, our team rather. But uh, I would have to say Tim Anderson for being Tim Anderson, but also for his exceptional play. And then uh, Kumar. So I'm all black with this. Okay. <laughs> I was going to go, I don't want to sound too much like a homer, but I was going to go with Tim Anderson and... It's baseball. Be a homer. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Hawk Harrison isn't around anymore. Dang, gum it. Um, it's baseball. It's baseball. Uh, no, I was going to say Tim Anderson and, and, and Johan Mankata. Uh, just seeing the development of how they've been playing this year compared to last year. We was having discussions about was Johan going to be a bust. We was worried about Tim Anderson. Like, man, I don't know about this. You might go, go back to playing basketball. <laughs> I mean, we was legit having those questions. I have a bobblehead now of Tim Anderson in my weight room. I'm very happy I took that. Well, I gave my, my guy one too. But anyway, I'm, glad, I'm happy I have one now. I'm happy to see the development of them. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to be between maybe five to seven games up to 500 when the season ends. But I'm just happy to see the development of those two guys this season. Lucas, I'm still kind of iffy on him. Even though he's been pitching his butt off, I'm, st- I'm still kind of iffy on him. And even to go, go across town um, to see the resurgence of Chris Bryant coming off his injuries. He's banned, he's back playing um, MVP ba- uh, baseball. That's great. Javi is always showtime, you know. But uh, for me, man, Johan and Tim, man, those two guys have been, I've been very happy to watch their, their success in development this season. I'm not iffy on Lucas Giolito. And I would expect that, I'm but still, I liked how he battled last night. He battled great last night. And that was after, come, come, like, the first time you really start getting a hiccup. So, I mean, not to say it's his first, but this is a big one in the game that was closest to playoffs in his career. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a crosstown rivalry. Yeah. To do that against the Cubs and then to face the champs, the World Series champs after that, you want to see how he works out through this. And also, he probably, and you saw that from how many changes, how few changeups he was mm-hmm. throwing last night. He didn't have his good stuff anyway. He didn't. It was raining. Yeah, so you this is what you want to see. And you know he ha- you know he has a little Zach Granky in him, I think. Just a little bit. Where I think Listen, you get, if we can get Zach Granky. Well, hey, man, I'm, I'm happy with But that. remember Zach Granky in Kansas City? Yeah, he was inside then, his own head. But that's though. but it was, it was more than that. I mean, he kind of needed some therapy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. and uh, Lucas went and, and sought out I forgot the the, the the clear in his mind the process that he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura Majera from WGN did a nice report on it. But I I, I, I I like to see him go through those battles because if we don't see him go through battles and what he does, we'll never know how he battles that out. And these are against, these are just against the best teams in yes. baseball. Listen, I tweeted out it's like, man, listen, this was that was a good there was a loss, but it, it's a teachable loss. That was a game if they was actually in contention, it was like, damn, I'd be upset they lost that game. I don't want to see him lose anything, 
but it was good to see them battle good to see them stay, uh, stay in and it's good for, just for their development o- overall my whole thing is i just want to see a starting pitcher go over the long long run of the season just like okay i can evaluate you i can see where you're at position players you've seen it every day with them and that's why i said i like seeing tim and i like seeing johanna what they've been able to do I think for me, uh, it's going to be Chicago centric, and I'll start with the Cubbies because I've been watching them a lot more than the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Definitely a lot of players to go around, like Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, kind of yes. stick out. Yep. Because first of all, Javi, you were really worried that that was a one-hit wonder last year. Were you? MVP. Are you? You just wondered with the bat. You knew you were going to get everything else, but would the bat come down to maybe a 250 mm. with a lot of strikeouts? I did think there'd be some regression. <laughs> mm. And could you hit an OPS close to 900 Nine. again like mm-hmm. you did? So great seeing that. Great seeing Wilson Contreras, like how he was last year in the first half, and it seems like he should be able to rebound and actually have a good second half. I think the player I'm going to go to right now, though, is you, Darvish, and maybe... It's not necessarily fun, but he has gotten better slowly. And that one Dodger start, I thought that that was going to be light up city for Mm -hmm. him. And for him to shut down the Dodgers in L.A. LA. in that game, it's not a playoff game. It doesn't necessarily matter that much. But that was you finally saw a great start from the guy that you paid to be an ace against a team that you are going to be competing against. So that was that's been a lot of fun, and I would say on the south side is still the connection to the Cubs is Eloy. I, I loved Eloy when he was a prospect for the Cubs, and seeing him over there on the south side, I had to continue to kind of keep tabs with him, and he's just been, uh, you know, getting better and better and better, and it's it's going to be exciting, I think, to see what he can be, and he kind of looks like Frank Thomas a little bit with a little bit of that like kind of different stance and the way they tall jacket yeah there's a little uh, like Frank Thomas there so and he's got that personality like Frank too a little bit I can't wait to see him get an off season and really just play like get that professional off season oh man this kid's gonna be so good you might see like a Chris Bryant type jump next year from him it's very possible at four and five, you have Von Miller, who I think people forgot, and, and I thought you, you were good on this in terms of reminding us that he had a really productive year and a down year for Denver, and then Khalil Mack coming in at five after he moved over to Chicago. Yeah, and look, you could make a case for either one. I just think Vaughn was a little bit better rushing the passer than Khalil Mack was. That's why I put him at four. You're right. You're exactly right, 100%. People just lost sight of the fact that Von Miller was that good last year because the Broncos stunk. I mean, but this guy was, again, he is, if I, you give me the choice, I can have one edge rusher in this league. He's the pick, guaranteed. My last question for you guys going to football. Uh, Pete Prisco from CBS Sports released his top 100 players and uh, kind of keeping it with Chicago. Khalil Mack was number five. Ooh. So I want to ask you, Wow, is that too high too low or just right and here's the rest of the top five Mm -hmm. number one aaron donald number two patrick mahomes number three aaron Rodgers, and number four von miller and just to give you number six tom brady actually i don't know about that top five uh no i think is it this is a top five for this upcoming season yes yeah i I get that's why i said top five because patrick mahomes is gonna have a better year i was gonna say don i was gonna say patrick mahomes be number one no, but you still have to look at the, the, the impact. You're right because he's a quarterback. Yeah. But if we really go off of last year, Aaron Donald was the best player in football. Like that's the truth. I mean, now there's things you can do with a defensive tackle sometime to cancel him out. 
so but if you really look at it like there's that like there's nobody that's so maniacal and consistent at, at, at a position that is very difficult to do that he trains with I do, I'll tell you I do have a problem with that there's one player that should not be in that top five Aaron Rodgers no Number four, Von Miller. Von yeah. Miller. Okay. Von Miller should. Von Miller should be closer to probably eleven to twelve. Mm-hmm. He is not a top three. He's not a top four. Rush in right now. I don't think. You know, I, I I'm trying to think who else is. You know what? He may be. I'm, I'm trying to think outside of Khalil Mack. Who else is a rush? You got you got Cameron down there. D Ford was an edge rusher that was great last year. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I may. I, I mean, Terrell I still, Suggs led the league. I believe. I can still say he's sec. I can still put him second then. I misspoke, but looking at his year last year, now again, now I'll say this part. They're going off of Vic Fangio being there then, I expect. They have to be. So if you're talking about what he may do with Vic Fangio, I can, I, I, then I have to say that I, I can see what you're saying, but I still have to put Khalil, I will put Khalil Mack ahead of him uh, going into this season, uh, but I can get that if you're talking about Vic Fangio's impact on that defense in Denver. His short thing on Von Miller, he continues to be the best edge rusher in the league. He had 14 and a half sacks last season with four forced fumbles. I don't... <sighs> I don't think his impact was the same as Khalil Mack. Though. I don't think he's as complete right no. now as Khalil Mack is in the run game. Right. If you want for reference, Mack had 12 and a half sacks and six forced fumbles, and he also missed, I think, more time than Von Miller. Two missed. games? Yes. Two or three games he missed. Mm-hmm. And he well, didn't he, have a preseason. He didn't have a preseason. He missed true. those two games, and then how much was he really playing in Miami true. when that injury actually happened? That's true. That's true. Uh, the only I, listen. I would put Tom Brady over Aaron Rodgers still. If you're talking about the projection, they just come up with a Super Bowl win. At he that, doesn't have Gronk. But this is the thing, though. Gronk was hurt a lot throughout his time there, and they've always been able to just keep the machine going. I don't know what the hell's going on in Green Bay. Green What? Oh, okay. I'm just talking about right. score. I mean, right. look, you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Devontae Adams. It'll be fine. Right, like, I'm not trying we'll to. I'm comes, not, guess what? We'll put some of the, when push comes to full, uh, to shove with Matt Lafour, if they don't connect, Aaron Rodgers is gonna just do Aaron Rodgers anyway. I get that, but you have the machine in New England, and you have Tom Brady still looking damn good and coming off his sixth Super Bowl. I would put Aaron Rodgers above in the top five, and I would move Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I'll put Tom Brady in the top five. I'll move Aaron Rodgers out. That's it. Aaron Rodgers is going to be healthy this year. Right. Don't forget the the Bears injured him in the first game of last season. How many seasons? And he had, still played the entire How game. many seasons has it been now? About three, two, three seasons in a row. He's been out a significant amount of time Ooh. with injuries. Tom Brady, can we say that? Nah, we can't. So, I mean, listen, I'm nitpicking right here. We're talking about two of the greatest of all time. So, you know. And one's better than the other, and he plays in Green Bay. All right. I'm kind of with you guys. I think Von Miller, I would put Khalil Mack ahead of Von Miller at oh, this yeah, point. Oh, no, yeah, I would careers. too. I would too. I think it's, I guess, a little too low for Khalil at five just because that's based on his top five, with it has, Von Miller being number four. It has to be the coaching change. It is definitely based. It says on the list it's yeah. based for this upcoming season, so yeah. he's kind of making his prediction. But they gonna, they, That defense is going to be nice. But see, the thing. It's going to be nice. The thing that I would wonder is, uh, what was the rookie that they got last year, the def- defensive rush in? Uh, yes. Um, I'm blanking on his name. I know they don't have Bradley Chubb. They got Bradley Chubb, Chubb, right? Bradley Chubb. That was the guy. Look, but see, this is the part of the thing that I would wonder. Isn't Bradley Chubb going to get all those sacks because they're going to send all the action over to Von Miller? And, another- and we're talking, well, let me finish real quick. And we're talking about, we know this. 
a coach, their head coach. Now we have to look at how the defensive coordinator is going to do it. That doesn't use, that only uses the outside rushers for pressure and doesn't like blitzing. Mm-hmm. So if they're not sending blitzes to open up those outside rushers at times or to, for the blitz to be successful, then how are you going to really be free, free, uh, freeing up Khalil Mack? I mean, LeVon Miller like that. And so that's my, my only caveat. And what are the Broncos going to be offensively? Because the Bears might take a big step. And if they're a high scoring offense, yeah. then that's going to mean more sack opportunities more turnover. Great point. Great point. Very true. Very true. All right, we're going to go ahead and hop back into this little baseball talk, okay? We're going to talk to Evan Altman of Cubs Insider next, Dean Davis Show. Hey, this is Rich Campbell from the Chicago Tribune, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. D and Davis show, and right now we have from Cubs Insider Evan Altman, co-founder. He's in charge of editing and taking care of all the business over there, and we're lucky to have him back on our show. How you doing, Evan? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, you know, it's it's uh, the Cubs have, are are sneaking around the rain here tonight. We'll see what happens, but uh, you know, I, I again, as I said before, I came on. I cannot complain. It's a good night. Look, and one of the biggest things about today, we're going to get the the first start, not the debut, but the first start of Albert Alzale. And look, temper expectations are raising them up. What should we expect? Is this going to be our producer? Uh, Ryan was talking about the Cubs actually having some 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 pitching talent coming from the minors. Can we expect this to be that, or is it a situation where Cubs fans are just so hopeful that we're that we're throwing too much on this kid too soon? Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say that there that there isn't some of that on the back end that there isn't some uh you know too much hype maybe going into this at the same time we're talking about a kid who who rightfully would have made his debut or probably would have made his debut last year had he not gotten hurt and so uh this is not someone who came out of nowhere and then if you look at his last several starts down at AAA he was shutting everybody down he was really throwing the ball well the curveball was looking great fastball was great and then we saw that when he came out for his debut and I mean, he's composed, he's got the stuff, he's got the velocity and it's a lot of those things that the Cubs don't have right now. And, and so he really compliments the guys that they've got up there currently. He is legit. And I think this is a guy that you're going to have to get used to seeing, you know, he may have to swing back and forth a little bit this year, but I think if we're talking next year and moving forward the next several years, this guy's going to be a mainstay in the rotation. When we're talking about his pitching repertoire, what kind of pitcher is he? And if there's a comparable, who can you compare him to? Um, you know, it's it, it's difficult. His his repertoire, so you're looking at a, a high 90s. You know, he's probably going to sit 95, 96 with the fastball. He can touch a little bit higher. Uh, and then he's going to offset that. He's got a really nice curveball. Uh, the curve, if you look at that comparable to other major leaguers, you talk about spin rate, you know, that's kind of the hot stat right now. But he's, he's in the top 10% of major leaguers in terms of spin rate on his curveball. But it's a little bit tighter. He throws a little harder. You're talking like mid-80s. So it's not that slow curve uh, that you see, you know, not a big loopy break. And then he's got to change him. Now, the change is what makes it interesting. And and we're not talking necessarily Cole Hamels. That's not really easy to go with. But if he can get that in, the changeup is what he's really been working on. And that's that third pitch that would make him a legitimate major league starter. When he came up, he was still working on it. That debut he had, he said, that's the best I've ever thrown my changeup. And, and if that's, that's a good sign, right? You come up and say, hey, first time I've ever faced major league uh, hitters. And now I'm throwing my changeup better than ever. If he can get that going and then even maybe develop some other secondaries, uh, he, he can look really good. I, I, I struggle to find a comparison, um, especially looking at the Cubs, because, 
he does things so different from what we see with them. And, you know, to have kind of that curveball changeup mix is normally kind of the thing you'd expect maybe from a lefty pitcher. Uh, but then to bring that heat that he does, it, it's going to be really interesting. And that, that stuff is going to play. You think, okay, you know, he's only 24, 25 years old. He's got plenty of time to hone that in even further. So again, it, fun to watch. And I think at the end of the day, he's going to make some mistakes, but that's the real key. It's going to be fun for Cubs fans to watch here this year and beyond. Predicting and, and from inside the Cubs and from your own prediction, are we talking about front end uh, in the middle or back end? Of course, it sounds like he's not a back end, but are we talking about a number one or number two here? You know, I that that's the ceiling. Um, it, it's hard to say again, if the change can come around and if he can continue to throw that consistently, yeah, I think you're talking about the guy, kind of guy who could lead the top of the rotation. Um, given the guys that they've got in there right now, you know, and they and they do have some of those top of the rotation. You know, Kyle Hendricks is kind of that ace type guy. Obviously, you've got John Lester, you've got Cole Hamels, but if if he moves forward, if he's able to maintain this stuff and dial that in a little bit better, get his sequencing down, yes, absolutely. You're talking about one, two, probably like two, three type. Uh, you know, top to middle of the rotation pitcher. D.N. Davis show on the line was right now, Evan Altman. Make sure you all follow Evan on Twitter at D. Evan Altman. Uh, it's going to stick on line with pitching. Keep talking about pitching. We got uh, Craig Kimball down at the minors and probably going to get called up sometime soon. Um, Evan, uh, what can Cubs fans uh, expect from Kimball coming up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the the real key with Kimbrel is is beyond. And I know this maybe sounds weird. It, I, I think the bigger deal with him is not even what he does as an individual taking over the ninth inning. It's how he helps to set up the rest of the bullpen. Now, we are seeing from him, you know, down in Iowa, velocity is maybe not quite where we uh, where we're used to seeing it from his time uh, with the Red Sox, with the Braves before that. Even, you know, last year, what he was throwing, maybe 97, 98. He's been sitting more 94, 95 with the fastball. But the curveball has been looking really, really good. He's been getting a lot of strikes on that. So here's a guy who's going to come into the ninth inning. Lock that down. That is your closer. That's the thing that they have lacked, whether it's because Brandon Morrow's hurt, because Pedro Strope has been hurt, or again, has had a, a few issues here and there. This guy sets up that ninth inning, and so the rest of the bullpen gets lined up that much better. You can put those guys, Steve Ciszek can handle maybe the seventh, Strope takes the eighth, and then you can slide those guys, like especially like a Brad Brock, who struggled a lot this year he really can move out of any high leverage situations and kind of get himself right by pitching against the bottom of the order more often. And so once Kimball comes up again, he adds that boost of confidence. There's that energy that everybody gets that I think they can thrive off of. So more than just what he brings as a pitcher, it's the idea of having that closer back, that elite closer that I think is really going to help that bullpen in the long run. And over the past couple of weeks, uh, the Cubs was n- were not having the best of times, but it seemed to right at the ship. You have Kimball Krim- uh, uh, coming up possibly. What are some of the things, what some of the keys you think uh, that the team took or team the team did to right the ship a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of it, you know, and, and we could look at this as on the season as a whole. We could break it down into little microcosms. Like, look at let's let's just take last night's game and and kind of then extrapolate that over the season and the thing that really keyed last night and and you know Braves fans may see this differently but Wilson Contreras showed some fire 
Um, I mean, he was he was yelling at people. He's pointing. He's he's grabbing his jersey. You know, we saw the the Javi Baez home run um, a couple days ago, right? When he he blasts that out there, he takes a curtain call and he's grabbing his jersey and he's showing that fire and that passion. Those are the things this team has a ton of swagger. And we saw that in 2015. We saw that in 2016. They knew they were better than you. They were going to go out and they were going to beat you. And they didn't care who you were. And they didn't care how they beat you or whether they got behind, they were going to come back and win. And then, you know, that kind of morphed into this more business-like, hey, you know, we're fine. We're cool. Uh, we're just going to be chill about this and and be more, quote-unquote, professional. But I think we need to see that fire. and we, we need to see that from – they thrive off that. Everybody on that team loves that. And so if we can see them continuing that, um, and that ha- is what has driven them. Whenever they've had success, it's be- been because they've been able to have that swagger and to really show it and be emotional. So that's the fun part of it. The one guy who hasn't had that much success, Evan, has been Jose Quintana. Do you think the Cubs regret that trade? Oh, boy. Um I mean, I, I think if, if we look at it, right, if we take revisionist history and we look back on it and you think, man, would we would we rather have these other guys here instead of him? You know, I think it's hard to say that they don't regret it. But if you look back at the, the situation that led to it, you think, hey, we've got a controllable a guy who we think will be this number two, number three in the heart of our order. And, and at the time, you know, he was that guy. He was on a cheap contract. He had been one of the best pitchers in the league over the course of his tenure. And they needed more of that win now mentality. Now, I think if you, if you remove that context from the time the trade was made and you apply it to today and you look at what the Cubs have today versus what they gave up, Obviously, they regret it, but I, I think, again, if you look back at the time the trade was made, that's a deal that made sense for them then. Um, but we always have to judge things over the course of time and, and history and kind of what comes out of it. So, yeah, I think they are kind of kicking themselves a little bit, given you know the production maybe they're getting from the corner outfield spots on a regular basis and their lack of pitching development and having a guy like Dylan Cease and that uh, you know maybe coming up like Edward Alzale that would be a, a big get. So, uh, yeah, given the results they've gotten, they regret it, but it still makes sense. Yes, it does. It makes sense, but we appreciate it on the south side. D and Davis on the line right now. Evan Altman, <laughs> co-founder and editor-in-chief of Cubs Insider. Make sure you follow Cubs Insider at Real Cubs Insider. Look, real quick, I want to get back to the kit, Craig Kimbrell. I was reading an article, I believe it was in the Tribune from Mark Gonzalez, talking about uh, Craig Kimbrell and only basically facing three hitters. And it went on to talk about Joe Madden learning from the situation with Aroldis Chapman in 2016 from letting him see a fourth hitter and basically the next his, his next close, he blew it. How long do you I, – I get for the rest of this season. Do you see that going into the postseason depending on need? And is is this also going to be throughout the remainder of this three-year contract like that? Do you see that taking place? Or is it just this year since he didn't have a spring training? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think exactly what you just mentioned there, having not had the spring training, not really being stretched out. And, and Kimbrell is a guy who has said – I mean, that was – that was part of his reason. You know, he wanted to go to a team where he'd be guaranteed the ninth and, and really the ninth only. He wants to be a closer. And in, in the most traditional sense of the word, or at least the, the newer uh, definition of it as we know it, I, a lot of that's going to depend on can the Cubs get reliable performance from the guys who come before him? Because 
if it turns out that Brandon Morrow never comes back and Pedro Strope is continuing to deal with injuries and, and Madden is left with one guy that he can trust in those ultra high leverage situations, then there may come a time when Kimbrell's going to have to take four outs or five outs. But I think the Cubs are going to do everything in their power to limit that those three outs to the one inning at a time and, and keep him in there throughout the duration of his contract. But uh, as we've seen, uh, the best laid plans can all go uh, go flying right out the window when the pressure really gets turned up. So I know what they want to do, whether that actually continues to be a reality or not. I think we'll find out if they do make the playoffs. You mentioned the the, the action from Contreras last night, and I want to ask you what were your thoughts when him and Tyler Flowers got into it a, a discussion a discussion about uh, pitch framing. Like, what was what was your thought when they got animated as as far as I guess with uh, Contreras talking about the the ump allowing certain pitches to be called strikes that he didn't deem strikes. Uh, you know, I've I've been a uh, a vocal advocate of the of the robo ump uh, over the over the last couple of years. You know, I, I think it's, it's silly if we have, a, you know, the, the, the idea of framing is such that you're, you're essentially quantifying the ability to fool someone, um, which, again, if we're talking about replay, we have, you know, baseball's implemented all these other things to ensure that the call is correct on the field. And, and yet, you know, there's still this very uh, obvious area of human error that goes into that. Now, uh, again, that can manifest itself in different ways. And, and I think depending on which team you cheer for in a given game, uh, you may feel differently about the way Wilson Contreras and, and or Tyler Flowers reacted. Uh, I was all, I was all for it because I thought it was it was kind of one of these funny things when uh, Contreras is barking at the ump and, and Flowers says something and, and Wilson didn't really like it. And so uh, at the end of the day, the best way for you to to get your revenge and the best way for you to show that, uh, you know, hey, ball don't lie. Right. He, he hits the home run and guess what? He gets to celebrate that a little bit. So, uh, that, that's the way that goes. So, um, but again, I, I think the whole framing thing is something, a lot of these issues could be eliminated completely by having a, a less arbitrary way to, uh, to, to judge what is a ball and what is a strike. I see that you don't want Tyler Flowers to make any money. Being a Sox fan, we were sitting there for years like, what is this, what does this dude do? Man, he's not doing anything. He's like, he pitched friends. We were like, oh, really? So you want him to be broke, Evan. I see your hate. <laughs> That's, that's really what it is. That's, it's, it's really just I don't like Tyler Flowers, and I I just want him out of a job. That's at the end of the day, you know, defensive catchers need to go. But uh, you know, that's you, you guys got me. I'm sorry. I got I got no place to go with that one. Hey Evan, um, trade deadline's coming up on July 31st. Uh, any possible trade targets for the Cubs in first place right now? We think they'll be uh, players in the trade market. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a there's a couple of different things. You know, they they have been linked to the to the Giants. Uh, a couple of their Tony Watson and Will Smith, a couple of their lefty relievers. I think that's that's a clear area of need that they've got. You know, their lefty relievers right now. They got Kyle Ryan isn't really the kind of guy you want to depend on in a tight situation. Mike Montgomery, more of a long reliever, hasn't really gotten it going this year. That could really help them tremendously. Although, if you look at the production that they're getting, and it is just the numbers in June in particular are scary. When you look at like their middle infielders, you look at kind of some of their lefty bats, the on base, you know, OPS slugging is just brutal from the guys at the bottom of that order. They've tried to kind of patch it together and, you know, fire up the, the way back machine with Carlos Gonzalez that hasn't really worked. So if they can find a way to maybe 
steal a lefty bat or just a solid on base guy on maybe a cheap contract that they don't have to give up a ton for. I think they're definitely going to be in the market for a bat, but lefty reliever and, uh, and another kind of a bench bat type guy that they can plug in there for those big at bats, I think is going to be their target for July 31st. Do you think Addison Russell will finish the season as a cub? Oh boy. Uh, I didn't think he would start the season as a cub. So I've already been wrong like 15 times over. Um, and, and I've, you know, I said multiple times, I thought he would be released. Then I thought that there was no way that they would, uh, keep him and activate him. I thought they would trade him. If they can find someone who would, uh, who would take him back in a deal, I think they would make that move in a heartbeat. It's it just, if for no other reason than I think the guy, um, you know, certainly there are uh, just myriad issues involved there, but I think that both the Cubs and Addison Russell would benefit in their respective ways from a change of scenery. Um, and, and I think they will try to move him at the, uh, at the same time. I think a lot of teams know that they're probably trying to do that. And the value that they would get is maybe something that, uh, one of the flaws of this Cubs front office is, is not being willing to part with someone for less than maximum value. And, and they're, they're in a tough situation with this. So unless they bite the bullet uh, and, and move him for a lot less than maybe what they had hoped they would get, I, I, I got to think he continues out the rest of the season, maybe in the off season, they make something happen, but I, I think he sticks around past the trade deadline. With Madden this season, have you, and this has been his last, this is being his last year on his contract. Have you noticed him managing any different differently? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the hands-on approach that he's taking is is absolutely different, and, and he spoke about that. You know, that was one of the things Theo Epstein talked about back in October that he wanted to see happen, that he needed to get from Madden uh, was, and and you know, without really saying it very specifically, was just that that things that that leadership aspect needed to be there. And Madden has taken a more hands-on approach with some of the hitting instruction, with being on the field ahead of games. Uh, we we've heard him talk about setting lineups further in advance, you know, setting them a, a series at a time. So players know that the players had spoken about wanting to have a little bit more uh, just of an idea of when they would be playing kind of what that routine needs to be. And and I think he's done a pretty good job with that. And it, and it, and it does seem like he's been, you know, spending less time with the media uh, other than, you know, the kind of the allocated times before and after games that he should be and more time on the field. So, uh, you know, whether or not that translates into an extension form, I don't know, but it, it does appear that he's taken a, a little bit of a different strategy this year. Yes. D.N. Davis on the line right now. Evan Altman, co-founder and editor-in-chief of Cubs Insider. Follow him at D. Evan Altman. Evan, I only got two quick NL questions for you. Uh, one, sticking with the Central, when you look at Jordan Hicks, the flamethrowing closer for the Cardinals going down and how close the Central are, I mean, is, it, it, could this be one of those key terms where we can start to look for the Cardinals to kind of fade away? And since the Cubs have snatched up Craig Kimball, what are some of the options that the Cardinals have to perhaps fill that role since Hicks is going to be gone for the remainder of the season? Yeah, I mean, that that's that's one of those things where you look at the, the Cardinals having, you know, certainly not an advantage over the other teams, but when you talk about a guy like Hicks, who is just such a lights out, you know, the fireball or kind of that traditional hard throwing guy who can really get on a roll and help them out late in games. I think losing him, especially with what we've seen from Andrew Miller, you know, we've seen their bullpen be really taxed. The starting rotation hasn't been as good as what they would have hoped, especially with Michaelis not being uh, quite as good as what he was last year after even that big extension. That is 
definitely a big problem for him. Now, um, as far as where do they go, you know, is it, is it a Kirby Yates? It, do, um, you know, do the Indians make some guys available? Are they able to kind of swing some things there for like a Brad hand? I, I can't imagine that being possible, but I think the, the, the real issue is that the Cubs did go out and get Kimbrell. And so now the Cardinals not only are dealing with a shorter market, but they have such a distinct need that they are at a very big disadvantage in terms of being able to leverage any, uh, uh, you know, any ability like these, these teams are going to be able to go to them like, Hey, we know you guys need a closer. You're going to have to give up a ton for this. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I there's a couple of places that could go, but I, I almost knowing kind of how the Cardinals work, I could see them trying to patchwork some things through with the guys that they've got and making some smaller moves and then just, you know, trying to, trying to make it happen and, uh, and give another shot at it again next year. Look, since the Cubs basically helped in probably in the long haul getting uh, Mickey Callaway fired, let me ask you this real quick. Because it's funny when we were listening to the news today, and here are a lot of people are kind of going at Brody Van Wagenen and, and talking about him calling the trainers, calling the, the field manager, and things like that. Is that a situation that's because he was a former agent? Because I I think now in baseball, a lot of front office people have more regular contact with the manager on decision making. It's kind of of the day to day. Do you think that's what's the real issue when there's discussion as far as Brody's doing things he shouldn't do? Yeah, I mean, I I think that was I think that's definitely playing a role. And and when you're talking about, you know, the the situation uh, in particular, and and it may have happened more frequently, was with uh, Jacob deGrom, who was, uh, unless I'm mistaken, I believe was a Van Wagenen client prior to uh, Van Wagenen giving up that role to take over the GM spot. I think actually uh, Noah Syndergaard and Jacob deGrom. And I I think another another couple of players. So (laughs) there were there were conflicts of interest kind of all over with that. And it's just very strange kind of a of a deal going on there and it's really difficult to sort of wrap your head around well wait a minute you're not this guy's agent anymore you, you know your your job isn't but but that's a hard thing to give up you know if, if your job for the last however many years has been to protect these pitchers to have them in the best situations and to try to influence the way they're used and and how they're how they're deployed how often and and for how long that doesn't go away. And now you're the GM and you still have these thoughts of what you've been conditioned to try to influence. And yeah, I think that absolutely that's going to be a really difficult thing. And I, and I think that's something the Mets as they, as they're known to do um, the, the Mets just continue their Metsing ways. And this is, this is the latest, this is the latest iteration of it. I think this is, I would lie. I would be lying to you if I said this was a surprise because it's not like this is the if you told me of the you know the 30 MLB teams which one of them's GM was calling down to make pitching changes or to make influential decisions on in game it would be the Mets like just just out of nowhere that's that's the top of the list they, they would be right up there and then it would be like the George Steinbrenner Yankees so you you'd have to go back like 12 years in time to find another team that would be even up there but they're both out of New York so either way you got the same city. Evan, man, thank you so much for hopping on with us, man. Can't wait to talk to you down the line. Yeah, hey, glad to, glad to be on the show. Thanks a lot for having me on. I always appreciate it. Thanks, you, Evan. Thanks, Evan. All right. There you go. Evan Altman. Make sure you follow Evan on Twitter at DEvanAltman. He's the founder of Cubs Insider. And the Twitter handle for the show is, uh, for the site is Real Cubs Insider. Yeah, Real Cubs Insider. There you go. All right, we'll come on back, man, wrap up the show, D and David show. 
What's up, Chicago? This is Chris Sosa from Red Eye, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. D and Davis show. We definitely want to thank Evan Altman and Tony Gill. Make sure you check out Tony every weekday at 670 score and the No Zones podcast. And also with the lovely Julie DeCaro behind the headlines, which it was fabulous last year yes, about James Jordan death. And I won't tell you what it'll be about this year because I'm not a hater. But look forward to it. Um, look, one thing on a lighter note. Uh, teams that are rumored to be in on free agency that were kind of coming out today. We had the Jimmy Butler situation that could take place with the Rockets. And also when you look at Kimba Walker, a rumor mill comes out that the sleeper team on him could be the Celtics. And also it solidifies the fact that Kyrie's gone. And you look at yesterday, uh, today, uh, Celtics president Danny Ainge came out and made reference to Kyrie, uh, to Kyrie as far as saying that they basically need people that are good and they're going to put their head down and work there. And when I saw that, I was like, hmm, man, it would have been good if you guys played that with Gordon Howard instead of forcing him into the starting lineup this year. Why didn't he play his part being a good guy, right? Well, you know, Gordon even, was just quiet and just did what he's supposed to do, I guess. Yeah, he's quiet and got ahead of Jalen Brown. And everybody's yeah, like, Jalen Brown will bust his broke leg ass yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, but look, one. What are your thoughts on if the Celtics can pick up Kimba Walker? I think that'd be, that'd be a great move for them. It'd probably better if they then maintaining uh, Kyrie. Kyrie, I, Kyrie I, I totally a agree. Player, but Kimba, Kimba ain't gonna be hating on them youngsters like that. No, I think Kimba is going to definitely go out, go up there to uh, Boston, coming from Charlotte, and uh, and definitely put in the work and definitely hoop with them. I hoop with them because they're possibly going to lose Al Horford as well. Mm, it's, so, seems like it's pretty likely. Yeah, it seems like it's pretty likely. He's I heard he won like a hundred and. Hundred some million dollars for crazy. Hey man, listen, it's the NBA. They somebody probably give it to him. I don't know who, but somebody probably give it to him. It's the NBA. Uh, Lakers are Mavericks. But there you go. There you go. Um, oh, the Mavericks. That's a good call. They'd be dumb enough. Yeah. Um, I love Al Horford. Yeah. But yeah. That, that third. Listen, listen, I don't even know if I want that third year. I definitely want the fourth, fourth year. Listen, he much. would definitely come there. He'll be that veteran who, who can possibly, possibly try to get you over the hump. They was going up against LeBron James, and they weren't able to do it when he was uh, in Cleveland. Another Ben Wallace? No, no, no. Al not Horford. A thief. Listen, I wanted the Bulls to try to get Al Horford He's to put him next a, to Ben Wallace. Is a yeah, thief. I wanted him next to Joe Kim Noah when Joe Kim Noah was stuff like, man, any kind of way you can trade for Al Horford, any kind of way. I like Al Horford. I like his. I like his game. Uh, he's like a he's like that true four. You got to know what you're getting though. You're getting a guy's gonna average about a dozen points and probably now pull in eight rebounds. I know he was like thirteen and nine, almost mm-hmm. fourteen and nine. Mm-hmm. But looking at his declining, and also you may not be playing him as much depending on if you got some young guys that you want to get some tick. But one defensively, like he's killing defensively on an NBA. That's what I was gonna say. When you're talking about even with plays on Yacht, yeah, like, yeah. He, defensively, he you know what he's. He's big man Andre Iguodala as far as age and defensive prowess. And think about that. Andre Iguodala has been in a part of a dynasty going yeah, to five championships big, and getting three big, rings. So when you look at the stats, he may not show up, but the things that he can do are the things that get teams to win. So I listen, if I was in a championship window, you eat I would that definitely anyway. go get that. But I mean, there's only, I, when we're, and we're also talking about teams with cap space. True. There's only teams with true championships ambitions. But even though when I mentioned the Mavericks, they can lie to themselves and say that they're in a championship window, but he would still be good for one. You need someone defensive to go with Chris Stops down there, and I don't know if Jordan, I mean, if, if Howard's going to be, I mean, if Jordan's going to be back there. 
but also when you look at that young player and mm. Doncic, like he he would he would be a great fit, and especially since he's he's so malleable. You know, he mm. can handle the ball, how he can move around, he can pick and pop. He'd probably be great in a pick and roll with Doncic. He could like, possibly push him to a playoff potential. Yeah, so I, I think that would if because that was a team rumored last week. That would be a real nice place for him to land. I think, I think more likely if I was him, I would try to find some kind of way to get to the Lakers because they have the best opportunity to win a championship. You can have him with next to um, Anthony Davis. That's that's probably be a good pairing. But uh, but no, we'll go back to Kimba Walker, though. No, that would be a good fit for him to go up to Boston, uh, being able to go out there and really play. You have some young guys. He could be that, that leader on the floor. Um, if Boston was able to do that, depending, I, I'm curious to see how much Kim was gonna uh, gonna get on the free market. But they have it. I would definitely do that if I was Boston. In a heartbeat, I would do that if I was Boston. Uh, it came up on our text line from one of our boys uh, mentioned it in the past, or he kind of um, hinted towards it, and that's uh, Scoop B, Brandon Jackson. Follow him at Scoop B Radio. I mean, Scoop B. Uh, look, it came about the uh, Andre Godala, who's on a book tour right now, we've mentioned just a second ago, was on the Breakfast Club with Envy. I don't know if, if Angelique was there, but it definitely seemed like Envy and Charlemagne was there. Mm-hmm. And during the discussion, they went to Mark Jackson, and he talked about, or the, he strengthened the argument about him being blackballed. What That's- happened with Mark Jackson? You played in the Mark Jackson for a year, right? Mm-hmm. Now, whatever happened to Mark? Because he, he put that team together, it seems like, and then... Nobody ever gave him a chance again, which is seems weird. We were just talking about that about that this morning, and I just talked about it earlier about playing a part. But if that's not who you really are, you can't play the part, or you can't play the politic politics game. And I think it was a lot of that. Like we were huge fans of Mark, the players. He was the ultimate players coach. That 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 was. I mean, he pretty much put that team together. Like that's that's what we first started hearing about the Warriors, and then it was like. He got let go, and then no other team gave him a shot. And I talk about it in the book, as far as he was like one of my favorite coaches of all time. It was like, come in, compete, play hard. And then he was going to put you in the best position to get the most money. Like, it was players who got paid because of him that shouldn't have got paid. He was like, look, man, if you just do this, you're going to get paid. And I'm going to send you out there to do it. That's all I want you to do is do this. Just go get paid. And then he said it. Yeah, I remember he said Steph and Clay were going to be the best backcourt ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They said he was crazy. They did. Mm-hmm. This was six, six, seven. This was seven years ago, and that joint like it came to fruition. But I feel like just the politics of it, man. And when you say politics, what do you mean? I know they they used to be upset because he was too religious. They said. Did he make y'all go to church? That was a rumor that he made y'all go. to nah, church he didn't make Sunday? us. Oh. He didn't make us go to church. Like he offered it to us, and we all went as a team because okay. we got a team bunch of believers. So we went to church. Like we was going to church regardless. Mm-hmm. But. It was the politics, and then you know how it is. When they, once they want you out, they gonna find something. So it was the it was he had church in the facility like on Wednesday. Sometimes he would stream his church service from what the you facility mean? during practice. No, 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 no. Like at night, like Wednesday night service, he'll just set up a computer in, in the facility, and he'll just preach, and then his congregation can watch, can stream it from at home or from the church. So if y'all was on the road, he was he was preaching from wherever he was. Well, on the road, I don't know. I know at home he did. It'd be like at 7 o'clock at night. So okay. nobody was in there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one particular issue was, um, from what I heard, was his views on um, gender or marriage or uh, what the Bible said mm-hmm. on your sexuality. And, well, Andre said it. It probably had something to do 
his religious convictions, but he said, and, and Envy asked him that, you know, Envy kind of implied, was he forcing his religion on players or people in the, in, in, mm-hmm. in the management? He said, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. He just said that he would basically like on Wednesday, Wednesday nights, open his computer and I guess go along with the service or whatever. I think he would preach, right? Yeah, I think he said something yeah. to that effect. But um, the thing that people have said is because of his, his, his Christian faith and that one of the tenets is about uh, same-sex marriage, that one of the uh, owners, I believe the COO, being openly gay, that caused friction, and that that his takes on that, his take on that, has led to him being blackballed. What are you thinking? Um, I hope that's not the case. On which side? I hope he wasn't blackballed because of his religious beliefs. Now, I will say this though: I think the NBA is one league that's pretty open-minded. Of all the leagues, that's probably the one that's the most amongst the players, at least. Right? You know what? Probably even some, probably a good majority of the owners too uh, are pretty progressive. Not saying that they probably like vote for Democrats or anything like that politically, but I think they're pretty progressive. Mark Cuban, might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Good call, Ryan. Um, but I hope he wasn't. Uh, I hope he wasn't blackballed because of it. Now, if now. While Andre Iguodala saying that he didn't push his beliefs on anybody, that would make me believe. I mean, make me think like, well, damn, what is it? Something else? Is it? Is it? Is it really that to at least get him blackball? It's not saying that. It'd be one thing. It's like, man, listen, I have an openly gay owner of a team, and my coach is a does not rock with it at all. You will hope you be able to separate. You be able to separate those two things and just go out there and work and do your job. But if you can't, okay, I don't want to rock with you. It's not like it's. I couldn't be a, a, a owner of a, a, a of a professional team and my head coach don't like black people. Like I hate you, black mother. You know what I'm saying? That won't rock. You know what I'm saying? But I hope it wouldn't bar him out from any other team. But it seems as if Mark Jackson is it is that what is that what the whole thing was? Wearing out his welcome was it his religious beliefs? Is he like a very Starch, like very like conservative. You remember when he was a Clipper? It's like when I mean, from my remember back in the days, his wife at that time had like a record, a record dealer was saying right. But he was a he's he was a pastor. He's a pastor, right? Yeah. So of course he's following the tenets, but he lives in a secular world. Oh, exactly. So and in that, and I I think you have to respect people's religious convictions, even if you disagree with them. Mm -hmm. And just the same as people that have religious convictions have to understand that. Just because a book tells you something, you shouldn't be damning someone else because of the person that they choose to be in love with. Right, that's my whole thing. So was he going around? We don't. I mean, to be honest with you, Andre Godal, that'd be the only reason. Andre Godal Godal basically said no. To he that. said no to that. But that'd but be I'm the sure only way. They, uh, I, there may be other people. Now, Andre Godal is there firsthand. There may be some other people, and there also could have been conversations that he wasn't privy, privy to. to. That's true. You know, so you you never know. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, but if Mark Jackson was making it clear. That that was an issue, and do I mean I do? Who did you who did you say was openly gay? And what the CEO? The CEO? But he okay, didn't come on. Right. He didn't get the. He, I think Jackson, Jackson may have been there already. 
Because well, oh. think about it. Jackson's been going there. This is what the fifth. This is the fifth year fifth he's year. been gone. Fifth year. So that was twenty. So he he left in what twenty fourteen? Are we saying yes? Twenty thirteen, right fourteen. They won the title. That's what I'm Steve saying. Kerr took over. Yeah, the next year they won, this right? The fifth year. This is the fifth year. Yeah. So we're saying that it was around twenty twenty. I'm, but I'm trying to see. Was it twenty fourteen, fifteen, or twenty thirteen, fourteen? I think it was twenty thirteen, fourteen. All right. So Mark Jackson was there for about four years prior to that. Right. So that means Mark Jackson was there like 2010. This guy got into ownership, I believe, in either 2011 or 2012. OK. So Mark Jackson was already there. Before. Did Jackson take up take up after Nelson? Was Donnie there? No, no, no. Who no, was no, there no. after Donnie? Wasn't Muscleman there or some somebody else was there after Don uh, after that? It was somebody else there. It wasn't it wasn't Don Nelson. But still, um, I don't like. I don't know. I mean, I, I'll hate the fact that he's blackballed if he didn't. Des- I hate the fact that anyone's blackballed. Let me leave with that. Uh, I want to say if he didn't deserve it, um, but again, you know, sometimes, you know, you work for people. I mean, that's that's the end of the thing. And uh, even if that gentleman wasn't there when he got there, guess what? When he got there, you still work for him. He is he is a higher ranking person in that in that business, and you have to to a certain degree act accordingly or not be there. I'll say this much though. I would hate if it's a, a situation where those two had a difference in opinion and hopefully it wasn't something that was ignorant. But I, if they couldn't just separate and go their own ways instead of uh, Mark Jackson still having to pay for it. Keith Smart was the in-between okay. coach between Nelson okay. and Jackson. Because we really needed that. I was just letting you know. I wanted to- You went off into something that had nothing to do with this discussion. No, no. I was, I was saying I, I asked a question did, did Mark Jackson uh, was he's he trying to have coach? your back yeah, yeah I need him to finish this conversation That's no I, I, I want to make sure that we have the right context and we're talking about the right people mm-hmm. um, but no no I agree with you I I, I think he should have been had a coach a coaching job by now because he set this team up Man, to how success. good would he look in the Bulls coaching staff uniform compared to Jim Boyle? Listen, how I many? I'm it's Isn't been he plenty. a rah-rah guy with defense and all this stuff, hands-on? Listen, I think a lot of people here in Chicago, at least some of the some of the guys I talked to, was like, man, what about Mar Jackson? That, that, his name has been brought up plenty of times. His name was connected to the Knicks jobs. He can't no want him. I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of the coaching. I mean, he did help this player. He set the, he, he reminds set me of up. Ricky Renteria. He's that That's guy that comes he's in. He's an A to B, not a B to C. Yep, and then you get the coach yeah. that gets you the rest of the But he, he, but let's think about Steve Kerr in, in, initiated this offense, though. He did. So that's he did. where, he did. to me, he, he already did. had these ingredients, and he was trying to. You don't do think it he would have got a championship? You don't think he would have got a championship in a Golden State? They wouldn't have gotten this many. He would have been. It would have been. I don't think he's a good coach. I'm about to say it would have been much more of a Doug Collins situation, mm. where Doug Collins would have won with that Bulls team. They wouldn't have won six. six. All right, so that so I mean, because mm. we don't even know if they would have run the triangle, they probably wouldn't have run the triangle. No, they wouldn't have. No, All right, so have. and I mean, clearly that it, that helped everywhere else blossom. It helped Scottie Pippen grow. So no, I, I think that there's a chance they could have won. But they, look, even with me saying there's a chance, there's a good chance they did. This offense is initially their shooting skill, and this offense with Draymond being a, a points center is what did it. Draymond wasn't playing point center then. No, he wasn't. You know, like no. So to me. No, this this they're not even and Steve Kerr gives them props. They're not even on the same level when it comes to coaches. So for me, Mark Jackson, I, I get the Ricky Renteria comparison, and I, I think I see that more. But no, he he kind of and I'm sure he's grown now from being away from the game. But back then, he was using it was more of a traditional offense, basically. And also too, 
if um, Mark has heard these comments at least, or I would think he's probably had plenty of conversation with other uh, teams front office. As you said, Ken, he's been out of the league. I'm out of the coaching uh, position for a while now, for five years. He's been doing more TV, obviously. Uh, doing a good job too. I like I like listening to Mark Jackson. Um, maybe he maybe maybe he understands what he needs to do this time around because that was his first coaching job. He's been out of he's been out of the game for five years, and there's been a lot of te- a lot of coaches out there. Mike D'Antoni. This, this, here's a question: Would you rather have Mike D'Antoni or Mark Jackson? Mike D'Antoni. Okay. Not even a question. I mean, you got Mark. We we've, we've seen now what three stops with Mike D'Antoni. It ain't working. He's not going to get you to that point. You see the development that he at least had. Now, to your to your point, King, you said that maybe he wouldn't have had this dynasty with the Golden State Warriors, but he set this team up for some success. Do you give him another young team to be able to mold? Do you get that success? Can he get that second option? Mike D'Antoni's had three options, and every time you know exactly what's going to happen, and it happens every damn time. Mike D'Antoni is a stronger Ricky Renteria. Because I could use what he does and be like, yeah, okay, you need to play some more defense, but like, we're gonna get rid of his ass in two years. Let this open offense, let them keep all that. We're gonna bring in some, some play. We're gonna bring in, we're gonna break this offense down and keep aspects of it, but we're also, one, gonna. What? No no team that he's coached has went to the no, one, one what, championship. No, no that's not what I'm saying. Okay. I just use Ricky, he just, we're using him yeah, as. A, a to B the guy. A to B guy. Yeah. But yeah, he's yeah. a stronger A to B guy than I feel than Mark Jackson is. Okay. So, I mean, because even when you say it, when you look at those outside of okay, we the, I guess we have to say what happened with um, the Lakers, which that was just a stupid situation. Yeah, the anyway. Lakers. Yeah, because remember, Phil Jackson had they went to sleep thinking he had that job, mm-hmm. and then they threw D'Antoni in there, and they had two centers. What the hell were you gonna do with Mark D'Antoni and two centers? Right, that made no sense whatsoever. All right, when you're talking about uh, uh, Dwight Howard and Paul Gasol okay. at that time, mm-hmm. so and you so you already were in a situation where one of them was gonna have to sit, one of them was gonna be unhappy, and you weren't gonna have your best five players out on the floor at all times because of this offense. No, you use Mike D'Antoni for a team that fits Mike D'Antoni one. Like I can't have. Look, I'm not gonna grab the the grinder. Um, 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 Memphis Grizzly team from a decade ago and be like, put Mike D'Antoni on that team. No, I'm going to put him, listen, put Mike D'Antoni, and again, it wouldn't be as pretty as it is, but give him those Golden State Warriors. All right? That's going to, listen, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a hell of more fireworks than it was when Mark Jackson was there. Like, so again, Mm -hmm. comparing him to, and I'm, listen, I don't even like Mike D'Antoni as a coach, but I'm just, I'm still saying that for, for, and we have a small sample size when it comes from just one team. But in that small sample size, yes, he did bring those kids up. But it didn't seem like he had the future look to where the NBA was going to be able to put them there. And partially still, what Golden State is doing, it was still influenced by what Mike D'Antoni brought from Italy. But you still have him having four chances and Mark Jackson only has one. Yeah, I don't think that's fair. Yeah. It's not fair at all. He should definitely have another shot. That's to be clear. That's clear. That's yeah, to have clear. another option. I mean, have another chance to coach an NBA team. Thanks for hopping on with us and checking out the show again as well. Hey, we really love uh, the fact you all are still rocking with us. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at D and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D and Davis Show. Facebook.com forward slash D and Davis Show. Download the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, and also YouTube. Do all this good stuff. Subscribe, share, rate. Man, all that. Give us comments. Hey, we love the feedback. All right. I'm on Twitter at Demons One. Ken's at That's Davis. And Ryan's at Ryan Beeski. Hey, we definitely want to thank Evan Altman for joining us with the Cubs discussion in the NL. 
and also with basketball with our boy Tony Gill. Make sure you listen to Lawrence Holmes show and follow Tony. follow Tony at Tony Gill six seventy. Uh, he has a lot of good stuff coming out in a hot in those zones that'll be posting today. So make sure you continue to rock with our guy. We wouldn't be this far without him. Nope. As we proceed with our new producers doing an excellent job and Ryan. Ryan um, listen, we will have a flip coming for you. So get your, your mouth watering right now. And since we're in a hold pattern when it comes to flip guests right now, it's going to be unadulterated. So if you enjoy that, you're going <laughs> to love this. Uh, we may have Tony here this weekend. He wanted to do one last week. Oh, uh, yeah. I couldn't make it. So we'll see if we can get the old crew back in there the family reunion was good ah oh, that's another we'll do it to, oh yeah, that's for the flip it, it, it wasn't no it wasn't like that. oh okay it wasn't a flip. That, was a, that was a tease yeah, it wasn't a flip situation Ooh. it was like man they started shooting no it was nothing like that uh but listen don't do anything before you don't do anything stupid before you hear from us again keep your hands to yourself